Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. And this is Mick Mulcahy in for Neil's well-deserved two weeks holidays. It's been six months since I was here uh, to do a holiday for Neil and he's worked like a Trojan through the entire uh, COVID uh, lockdown, restriction, whatever you'd like to call it, except for the two days, of course, when he attended a bereavement. Uh, so a well-deserved holiday for Neil for the next two weeks. And speaking of that time, when I was in for two days, I think one of the last things we discussed uh, was that we all agreed that wearing face masks would be uh, a way of life or a big part of our future. And it's kind of ironic that's the first big headline we come to today because wearing of face masks are a new way of living, says the Echo. Breda Graham reporting... Uh, Manager of Blackpool Shopping Centre John Hartnett has welcomed the new guidance on face coverings and said it's a new way of living which people should embrace. The wearing of face coverings is being made mandatory in shops, retail settings and shopping centres. Following a cabinet meeting last week, Taoiseach Michal Martin said regulations will take some time to draft but added people should start obeying the guidance immediately. The regulations with details and enforcement and penalties are in the process of being drafted. And uh, Mr Hartnett in particular said that staff in the shopping centre in Blackpool, particularly those working with food, those in close contact with customers, and those who are protective of a vulnerable person in their home have been wearing masks throughout. And this is not being seen as a big change. Of course, there are those who have not been wearing masks at all. And that's going to be a big change for them. Raise the price of drink uh, is one of the big headlines in the Echo as well today. House parties are blamed in the latest COVID cases. An expert in public health is calling on the Taoiseach to press ahead with plans for minimum unit pricing for alcohol. Joe Barry is the Professor of Public Health in Trinity College, Dublin, and says Micheál Martin made a huge mark on Irish society by banning smoking in the workplace in 2004. He said that as a Cork GEA fan, the Taoiseach would have his own opportunity to create a personal double by following this with new rules on alcohol. It would be a really big legacy and would be really important, he said. House parties have been seen as a factor in recent COVID-19 outbreaks. And Dr. Barry echoed sentiments expressed by publicans recently which suggested that pubs are safer places to consume alcohol than the home. Well, especially, I suppose, if the home is packed and if the pub is adhering to distancing regulations. The safest place to drink is in the pub, Dr. Barry said. Home drinking is very cheap and you can go to your local off-license supermarket or corner shop to get alcohol. Because alcohol is so cheap in supermarkets, it facilitates damaging home drinking. And and that is The Echo this morning. Uh, We have one more headline from The Echo. Perks reopens after lockdown. The Perks Funfair and Entertainment Centre in Yall reopened its doors today to the public after COVID-19 ground the merries and carousal uh, carousel, spelled carousel, uh, to a halt for more than four months. Uh, Perks, a pl- playground for locals and day trippers for decades, reopens with a whole new philosophy for business. Perks has never been closed in its 90 years, uh, 90 and a half years of history, says owner Sally Tivy. It was really strange to see the rides, the stalls, the casino empty and idle for so long. It was depressing. And during the restrictions, the staff and management thought long and hard how best to operate perks accommodating 50 people at a time while still maintaining a fun-filled, magical atmosphere. And if you are a business opening today, then let us know. Uh, I know the pubs aren't. Uh, Some pubs are because they're stepping up their plans to serve food. Uh, And if you are one of those and you need a little bit of a shout-out, then give us a call. Uh, On the Examiner front page today, Cork is riddled with crack. Every dealer is selling it. Liz Dunphy reporting that crack cocaine is an epidemic which is fueling violence, tragedy and a future public health crisis 
A leading addiction counsellor has warned. Michael Gearan of addiction charity Coon Vura, we've spoken to him many times on the programme, said someone would want to put a gun to the government's head to make them urgently address the crisis. He said Coon Vura is seeing people in their 20s and 30s with the chronic health problems of people in their 70s and 80s from drug abuse, and these people will need medical care for the rest of their lives. Also in the examiner today, pandemic payments due to be extended, loan repayments freeze and a ban on evictions to stay in the stimulus plan. Juno McEnroe, their political correspondent, is reporting a multi-billion euro stimulus plan to restart the economy. We'll see emergency pandemic pay and wage supports extended until next year, while rent rise and eviction bans are also set to be prolonged. The coalition's plan to fight back against the virus will also see restart grants for businesses extended to over €20,000, while reskilling and shovel-ready projects will be key measures. Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath said a Cabinet subcommittee will today consider the value of the July stimulus package expected to range between €5 billion and €6 billion. Too late now to say sorry. The heartbroken husband of tragic cervical check campaigner Ruth Morrissey yesterday slammed the state for never saying sorry. And sorry is now too late because speaking after the 39-year-old lost her cancer fight, Paul also hit out at the broken promise of former Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, who vowed no women affected by the scandal would have to go to court to fight for justice. A statement on his behalf said, neither the HSE nor the state ever apologised, and now it's too late. Last week, the Supreme Court heard the couple have been paid all the 2.16 million damages awarded over the misreading of her cervical smear tests. And had they been read uh, correctly uh, and addressed and diagnosed, uh, she may still be with us today. In fact, she probably still would. But sorry is now too late. No green top hulls. Uh, So here we go. The Cabinet to meet today. The safe list uh, for travel is delayed and won't include many people's favourite destination. Expected to be on the green list is Malta, Finland, Hungary, Estonia, Norway, Lithuania, Latvia and Cyprus. This is the Daily Star reporting that holidaymakers are set to be disappointed as the government has delayed the publication of its green list for overseas travel. After cancelling a cabinet meeting that was due to sign off on it today, Taoiseach Michal Martin continued his uh, continued presence in Brussels at a, cu- a crucial EU summit means he was unable to attend today, today's cabinet meeting that would have decided on countries to make the list. The meeting will now be rescheduled for later in the week. However, early indications already suggest that the government will omit popular holiday spots such as Spain, Portugal and France. Some big spikes happening in Portugal. And of course, we're going to have what I think would be a farcical situation uh, that we have a completely different regime being proposed in the north uh, where a lot of these uh, proposed countries that are going to be red-listed by us will be green-listed by them and they have no quarantine when people come back in. And people from the north mix and work and recreate with people from the south and I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. But let's wait and see on that one. Barry Cowan says, I will clear my name. The ex-minister says the sacking was a hard price to pay. The sacked Agriculture Minister Barry Cowan has insisted he'll clear his name despite a Garda probe upholding a Pulse System report claiming he tried to evade officers on the night he was caught drink driving. Fianna Fáil TD was fired by Taoiseach Micheál Martin last week after he refused to answer any questions about the 2016 incident in the Dáil. The record on the Garda Pulse system is correct, is the byline there in that report in the Daily Star. Sand and deliver. Cops find killed suspect at the beach. Hutch uh, hit suspect Thomas Nicky McConnell was left stunned when he uh, when cops raided his beach house in tourist hotspot Kusadasi and an extradition hearing 
over the murder case is impending. Those are the stories in the morning papers. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. And the first call this morning is with Dr Nick Flynn. An Irish GP has said it's starting to feel like March again uh, with second wave fears heightened. Uh, That was Dr Matthew O'Toole and the former head of the GP union has been vocal about a second wave coming and now believes it's on the horizon. Good morning, Dr Nick Flynn. Good morning, Mick. Uh, there is a certain level of activity uh, that's going on. For instance, uh, the beaches yesterday, Gary Vaux, uh, I was down in Castle Park in Kinsale, there was about a 35 to 45 minute queue for traffic coming over the bridge going into Kinsale. The place was thronged, uh, ice cream and candy floss being distributed at the beaches. Uh, it really seems like we're back to normal too quickly, or am I wrong? Uh, well, if we are back to normal, it certainly is too quickly, Nick. Um, I, I, I think that, that there's a, a, I suppose, a dilemma there in, in that uh, people are allowed to go to the beach, but how, how, how do you control how many people can go to the beach? I think the, the advice has been that if you go somewhere and you feel it's not safe, that you should leave again. Um, it's certainly true to say that outdoor transmission is far less likely than indoor. Uh, so uh, even in in an outdoor area that looks uh, quite busy as long as people are still observing some physical distancing um, that it should be relatively safe it's, I think it's 20 times less likely that you will contract uh, COVID-19 in an outdoor space than in an, than in an indoor space but absolutely I mean we are not back to normal uh, we are in general practice and it's been noted around the country uh, seeing increases in respiratory uh, illness and, and respiratory presentations uh, and while of course they are not all uh, COVID-19 the fact that the viruses other viruses and other respiratory illnesses are passing person to person means that COVID-19 also can pass person to person I think uh, Dr O'Toole who, who is based I think in, uh, in in Dublin in one of the inner city areas uh, has noticed particularly in his practice that that, that is uh, the case uh, locally we're, we're, in my own practices we're also seeing it make I was on South Dock at the weekend I did a four hour session on Saturday uh, I consulted with 18 patients and I referred four of those patients for uh, COVID-19 testing so Two weeks ago, I, I, I was hardly referring anybody in a week, you know. Mm. So I think we're certainly seeing an increase in, in respiratory illness, some of which will be COVID-19. And if it's not now, uh, it will be very shortly unless uh, we individually uh, take the advice that we've been given about social distancing and, you know, hand washing, cough uh, etiquette and wearing masks and all of that advice. But by now, I think we should really be have second nature to us all. Yeah, there seems to have been a general dropping of the guard though, uh, you know, from a personal perspective, people aren't washing hands as often, people aren't sanitising going into shops. From today, they'll be wearing masks going into shops, uh, but only by diktat, really, because it's, it's not, even though it's not law, uh, you know, morally, they will now be obliged to, to wear until that law comes into place. Uh, and the thousands of pubs not opening today, Dr. Nick, is that a sort of a tacit admission that the second wave, if not here, is coming? Yeah, I th- well, I, th- I think certainly the... the, the I suppose what we have is we're back to the original timeline for phase four. Um, and and because I suppose everybody regarded that we were doing really well and that there was a little bit of a, an acceleration of the timelines uh, a number of weeks ago, I, I think it is a shot across the bow that, that the, the laying of the opening of the pubs and my sympathies really do go out with 
to publicans, but the, the laying of that uh, to, to the original timeline and to beyond the August bank holiday weekend in particular, I think is a sign for people that the public health authorities are uh, quite concerned that we're that we're dealing with we're going to be dealing with an increase in cases in the coming weeks. And it's what we're seeing, as I say, like we're seeing that on the ground, uh, and, we're, and we're seeing I suppose we're seeing other things as well. Uh, Make that I've, that I've noticed that we wouldn't have seen at the start. So, if you kind of cast your mind back, maybe twelve weeks ago, it seems like almost a lifetime ago now. But uh, when we were really uh, in 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 the middle of of the first wave of COVID nineteen, uh, people were presenting early with their symptoms. They were aware that respiratory symptoms could be COVID nineteen. There was a desire to get a test. It was even at a time when it was so difficult to get a test at the start that, 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 that there was outcry to get testing. Uh, now what we're seeing is that patients are self-managing respiratory symptoms at home. They're presenting a couple of days into their illness uh, for advice uh, when really they should be at the first sign of a, respi- a new respiratory symptom, uh, cough, fever, shortness of breath, uh, loss of smell, uh, loss of taste. At the first sign of those symptoms, people should still be self-isolating. They should still be contacting their GP and their GP can then decide if they fit the criteria to be referred for testing. And it really shouldn't be that people are at home self-managing these symptoms and potentially uh, having COVID-19, potentially being contagious and potentially uh, spreading it to others. And and that's what we're seeing because we're seeing this famous R number or the reproductive number, which basically means how many people a person with COVID-19 uh, infects. So we need the R number to be less than one. And last week we had reports from the public health authorities that the R number was increasing to 1.5, maybe 1.8. That happened in Germany and it almost went into second lockdown. How how come with anything over one we didn't go into more restrictive measures? Uh, I I think because our baseline, uh, our our background uh, finite figures have been relatively low, Mick, and I think that our uh, it's a little bit more nuanced, I think, than than than, than the looking at a 1.5 on a population base. I think that they've made a decision or they, or they made uh, an observation that our R number has been affected by a number of uh, finite clusters uh, associated. I think some of them with uh, uh, with, with parties, with house parties, uh, and so it's not it's not a population. Uh, issue at present, but it very quickly could become uh, a population issue because if you, if you look again, what that means for Cork and Cork in the last seven days, we had 10 cases. So an R number of 1.5 would mean that those 10 cases had infected 15, uh, and those 15 would in turn infect uh, 22. You know, so so like very quickly in, in in four weeks, you could have you could be looking at nearly 100 cases in Cork if that was the not uh, if that was to continue. So. I mean, this is down to personal responsibility now. You know, I mean, the government have done their bit from the point of view of what they can do in societal measures. You know, we, nobody really wants us to go back into lockdown. We can't, as a society, afford to go back into lockdown. You know, the, the economy is an important part uh, of, of, of how the health system is funded. Uh, and so we would have more, uh, I suppose, morbidity and more illness and more death from non-COVID-related illness unless we keep the economy going. And that's why it's important as individuals that we make all the right decisions as much as we can.
can. That goes back to your first thing that you asked about at the weekend uh, on crowded beaches and maybe uh, other areas for, for physical distancing may not have been observed. It's important that we do observe it. And if you listen to what the advice is, the advice is to take personal responsibility. And if you feel a shop or if you feel uh, a, a, a public area is unsafe, take yourself out of that area because you're putting yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. What parameters would bring us back into phase two? Uh, would that be an R number on its own or would it be something like the number of discovered cases in Ireland exceeding 100 a day? I think it would be the rate, yeah, the rate of the rate of increase. Uh, to, to be honest, Nick, probably is, is what will result in, in in us taking a, a step back. We're not there yet. We all have the opportunity to ensure that we don't get there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, another thing Mick, that, we, that I've noticed myself in my own practice, and I don't think Doctor Atul uh, has said that he has noticed as well, is that there's a slight reluctance from people uh, in some situations now to accept referrals for testing. So. Uh, they seem to have an, uh, an idea in their head that their symptoms are are not or cannot be COVID related, <clears throat> and they form this healthcare belief that they don't need to get a test. And I, I encourage everybody that if you have a respiratory symptom, if you have uh, a new uh, kind of fever uh, in this or high temperature, that you should contact your GP. And on your GP's advice, if your advice is to get tested, just go and get tested because it's important that we know where this virus is. If we don't, if we can't identify the virus, if we can't see who has it, if you can't contact their, uh, sorry, trace their contacts and test them, well, if we can't do those things, the virus will spread unbeknownst to us because we know that 50% at least of the people who, who spread the virus have no symptoms because they're either pre-symptomatic, which means that they're, they're in the stage of the illness before they develop uh, symptoms, or indeed some people even are asymptomatic, so they have COVID-19 without symptoms. You know, So it's important that if you are advised to go for a test, that even if your own opinion is that because you've been so safe, because you've observed the measures so well, that even if that's your, your, your heartfelt uh, um, opinion, you should still take your GP's advice and get the test done because it's important that we find out where this virus is as early as possible. Mm. There are so many elements of the COVID-19 situation that are driving even the content of this programme today, Dr Nick. We're going to be talking to publicans who can't open. We're going to be talking to people who are uh, grieved by the number of house parties happening in their area. Everything really comes back to COVID-19. Benny McCabe was very uh, vocal at the weekend and very eloquent uh, when he published a piece saying at least they can't blame the pubs this time if it goes into a massive spike. And in that sense, uh, the focus is really coming on the youngsters and on house parties. Is that unfair? Um, I don't think... Well, I, I, I think what's, what's important is, is how we um, change the behaviour, Mick. So um, I think looking at other... I suppose other ways that we try to get health uh, messages across to, to young people, it doesn't work with the stick. Okay, so mm-hmm. it doesn't work. So if you, if you want them to stop smoking, like if, you, if you want young people to uh, to stop using drugs and to, and to drink responsibly, it it doesn't work to to blame them and it doesn't work to 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 to, to as I say to to, to 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 use a to use a stick approach. So really, we have to try and bring young people with us. We have to help them to understand that while they may themselves low risk and it's not guaranteed because young people can still become very sick with this illness but while, they, while in general they may be at low risk of significant illness from COVID-19 like their parents may not be you know they, they may have siblings they may have uh, who, who have an existing medical condition and indeed they, they will probably have grandparents you know and, 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 and we need to protect the vulnerable in society from, from this disease and I think that's where we need to go 
with the with the youth. I mean, look, we were all there. I mean, the, the summers in your late teenage years are, you know, just absolutely fantastic. You know, we all remember going to concerts. We all remember, you know, uh, weekends away with our friends, and it's a, it's a, it's a time when we're, when we're experimenting. It's a time when we're, when we're learning how to grow up. And in a way, this generation, this summer of young people have to put that on pause or they have to behave differently. That's very difficult for them. That has to be acknowledged. But equally, we have to bring them along by helping them to understand that this is very, very, very serious. Their colleges may be affected. You know, school life may be affected. Their jobs in the future may be affected. You know, they may, you know, the, the health of their families may be affected. So, so we need to bring them along with, with, with that type of, um, uh, I suppose, information or that type of campaign. I suppose the, the simple, the simple message there, Dr. Nicholas, really what you're saying is that from the age of reason, we all have to take collective responsibility and individual responsibility. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, and I think that no, no more so now than now. You know, it's very important that that, that we that we do that. And again, but like when it comes to like say the publicans feeling aggrieved, young people maybe feeling that they're being unfairly unfairly targeted. But and then and then they they they, they may say, look, but so the the airports are open and we've got tourists coming in, and why why are we why are we being targeted? So it, it comes down to as you say there, kind of collective responsibility that we if individually we make the right choices collectively we will do well and i think that that's where the, the message needs to be how are we doing collectively in cork at the moment uh, again up, up until up until recently we, we've been doing quite well i think in, in the last seven days we've had as i said earlier we've had 10 cases but uh which compared to a number of weeks ago is it, it, very very good uh, but again if we don't observe the, 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 the measures that have been advised, those cases will return. And, and, and speaking to medics uh, across the, the different specialities, we're all very concerned about the winter. We're, like, we're, you know, we're concerned that when it comes into you know, September time, that we'll have circulating influenza, we'll have influenza A, influenza B, you know, we'll have the common cold, we'll have the other viruses, uh, and we'll also have COVID-19. And we really won't know uh, what is what and where to look. So I think it's very important that we, we keep up the efforts uh, that we've been asked to do during the summer and into the autumn so we keep the, the circulating level of all infectious diseases at a minimum. Okay, do you see, and I know you're not a virologist, but you are on the front line, do you see the virus adapting? Do you see it morphing? Do you see it dwindling out? Do you see it becoming more powerful? Uh, well, I think one of the interesting things uh, for me over the last uh, six months or five months really has been the fact that there has been no one expert in COVID-19. So as you said there, look, virologists have been experts at looking at, the, as from, a, I suppose, a, a virology point of view or the virus and how it's behaving. Epidemiologists have looked at how it spreads in the community. You know, the respiratory specialists have looked at how it affects the lungs. And then we found out that it also causes this pro-thrombotic illness, which means basically it causes blood clots, and that that and, and that is exercised like cardiologists, stroke specialists, hematologists. So, so there's been one, no no one overarching speciality that has had a good, uh, I suppose, understanding of this illness and the amount of research and the amount of I suppose learning that there's been in it for for healthcare professionals has been huge. Now we, I don't think we've really seen it. Uh, I suppose morphing or changing very much, but we have learned an awful lot more about it. And one of the things that we do know is that it's not going away during the summer. You know, so at the start we wondered. Yeah. So what's what's it going to be like in the winter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. uh, we covered a lot of ground there, Dr. Nick Flynn from my uh, my Cork GP. Thank you very much.
Thank you too. Cheers. Cheers. Goodbye. It's 9.30 now on the Neil Prendeville Show. We're back in a moment. Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. 27 minutes to 10. A very good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Now, last Tuesday, I listened in to Neil and to a very engaging conversation with uh, a very forthright person who was doing the right thing as regards quarantining while in COVID. And uh, that girl is Rachel, or that lady is Rachel. She joins us on the programme. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. Now, you spoke very, very powerfully to Neil about your moral responsibility to do the right thing. You're here to visit parents. Uh, You're here for, is it six or eight weeks in total? Six in total. Six in total. Yeah, six and in total. you're taking one third of that then. You're taking two weeks and uh, you're fastidiously quarantining. quarantining. Yeah. Uh, and had been doing. And we're looking forward to com- coming yeah. out the other end of it uh, when, when, right. you, when you spoke to Neil. So just to, okay. in case people didn't hear last week, to tell us about coming over, what checks you had and, and what's it been like being in quarantine? How difficult has it been? Great. Well, I'm lovely to talk to you, Mick. Um, so we came over on the 4th of July we were due to come over for a month and I said to my husband and my kids, we're going to do this, we're going to do this right because we need to uh, quarantine because we love the village and we want to respect the area and um, we want to see my dad and my siblings will be down from Dublin in uh, various stages. So he was able to, to work from home. So we literally came over on the boat. Nobody on the boat at all. It was great. Um, literally just freight. Um, didn't see any camper vans, no tourists. Um, only a few uh, Irish cars coming back. It, very easy, got off the boat. They checked our uh, locator form. Um, that was all fine. Um, and then drove straight down to, to West Cork. We stopped outside Cork, um, just doing everything right, and turned into our driveway and didn't leave for two weeks. Uh, we were blessed with uh, glorious weather, so it wasn't too hard. Although 14 days with three teenagers. No, no television, outside. I heard you say to Neil. No television, no, but um, but we did uh, beautiful views and the kids of the garden and we just stayed away because um, we just, didn't, you know, we knew we had to do two weeks. Um, my dad dropped some bread off um, in the garden and um, then that brought us up to uh, the 14th, sorry, the 18th, 18th of, um, Saturday the 18th of August, no, August, July, where am I? Mm-hmm. And um, and then we we were running low on uh, field delivery and Skip were brilliant. They delivered our shopping to us. So it was all very easy. That's an all amazing very, supermarket, uh, fields, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, mm. love it. And we've been coming here for years. We've been coming here for, uh, well, I haven't, as I said to Neil, I haven't missed a year and I'm 47. So we've been coming for years. I got married here. So, you know, we know a lot of the people. We've got local friends um, and other people coming down. So, you know, it's, it's very special to us. So we wanted to do the right thing. And... Um, so then on Saturday, uh, we were packing up the house because we were lucky. We were in a friend's house two kilometres outside Castle Townsend and um, we were going to move into our normal uh, house. So we were packing up and we said, right, we'll go to Skib first thing because we need to get some food and then we'll come back up and pack up the house. And uh, drove into Skibbereen and um, yeah, it was, quite an, it was a bit of an eye-opener coming out of quarantine. Um, did our shop, that was all fine, had our masks on, did our shop and met a few people that we knew and it was great to see you and, you know, all very lovely. And um, I just went and ran and I said to my husband, you go back to the car, I'm just going to go and I need to get something very quickly. So um, he went back to the car and when he was back in the car, he was um, pretty much uh, uh, verbally abused by a guy in a car telling him to um, go back to England and take your virus with you. Oh, wow. It was absolutely gobsmacking. Yeah. And, and was this a, a, a perchance 
encounter or was the person waiting because of an English registration? That's a good question. I don't know. We were in Fields Car Park, so I don't know. But um, my husband was in the car reading the paper waiting for me. And uh, this guy gets out of his car. He was parked um, in one of the bays. He gets out of his car and he walked over and he stood in. Um, now, I didn't witness it because, I, as I said, I was just coming back from the shop. Mm. But he, my husband said he stood in the front of the car and just shouted. And he obviously wanted um, to create attention because he shouted. Um, pretty, uh, you know, go back to England and take your virus with you. So go back to England and I, take the virus with you was, was what he was shouting. Take your virus with you. Take, oh, take your virus with you. Yeah, take your virus with you. Um, so, um, so Ben, my husband, was, was, was about to get out of the car. He, he went to open the car to try and explain, actually, we've done the right thing, we've done quarantine. But then he just thought, you know what, there's no point because you can't rhyme nor reason when somebody's on a rant. Um, so he didn't get out of the car and he just, he just uh, he stayed in the car. And then the guy got back into his car and he drove away. But he did take his car details. Your husband t- took the other guy's car yeah. details? Yeah, he took a photograph of the car and he took the car details. So I jumped back into the car um, thinking wasn't that lovely? <laughs> lovely to Fresh in the full again. throes of, of mingling with the public again and suddenly yeah. your husband is, is pretty shaken yeah. next to you. Yeah, and, we, and this is now quarter to ten on our first morning. So I, 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 I he was actually visibly shaking and um, my husband's quite feisty so I said, uh, what? And then of course I was mortified because I'm Irish um, but so we did, we rang, um, we have a great friend, Karen, and we asked her for the number of the guards and she put us on through to a pantry and they put us on to Skip. And actually we went up to the Skipperine guard station. We met a fantastic guard. She was absolutely amazing. I can't begin to tell you. She was amazing. And she took all the details. And um, of course he had the car reg. And so she was able to check it out. And she goes, yeah, okay, that's local. And um she was amazing and she said, um, I'm really sorry. And I said, look, you don't need to apologise. Goodness sake, you know, these mm. are just one-offs where I'm hoping. Um, and she said, you know, I'm going to look into this for you. Um, and she said, look, took our numbers and she said, I'll give you a call tomorrow and let you know how I get on. And um, so we went about our business, packed up the house, moved back into Cast Townsend, lovely to be in the village. And that afternoon, um, she popped to our house. And rang the doorbell and came in and she said, um, I've, I'm, I was so, this made me so cross and, you know, you've done the right thing and you quarantined. She said, I actually got, went and paid him a visit. She was great. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> and, How did that go? And she, yeah. She said, you know, you just can't assume. You can't assume when you see an English car reg that they've just got off the boat. And you can't assume these people could have been here for months. These could have been... You just don't have no clue. And in fact, these his family had just quarantined and it was their first morning out of quarantine. And he was very, um, he he wasn't funnily enough Irish. Um, he wasn't what? And he wasn't Irish. Oh, okay. Just the irony. Um, yeah. And um, so she said, look, he's married to an Irish woman. He said, she said, you just can't do that. And he said, look, I'm, I actually, I'm sorry. I just, it's all over the news and everybody's talking about the tourists coming in and my wife is a key worker, and I just, I just snapped. So um, she said, well, you know, this could be, you know, this can get quite serious, and, you know, you don't want this to go any further. Um, I don't know what the, the family wants to do. And she just said, look, it's just not very nice. So anyway, he, he apologised. Um, apologised to who? To, to my husband. He, oh, uh, directly? He wrote, no, he wrote a letter. Okay. And he gave it to the guard, and she, she hands-delivered it, and... Um, she said, um, 
this you know this is for you and are you happy with it? my husband's like yeah absolutely you know it's just unfortunate um that it happened and she said absolutely she was outstanding i have to say she was just she just was so warm and welcoming and she just said i'm so sorry i said please don't don't you you don't need to apologize well in the true community um, spirit now there's a guard who was a mediator she was um, I know. a counselor she was amazing. a po- a postwoman yeah. Uh, yeah. Our post person before I get in trouble, yeah. uh, and and really did everything she could to make you feel at home. I she suppose she really did. She didn't need to drive all the way out to uh, to Castletowns, and she was she was outstanding. She was so calm. I can't begin to tell you because when you are a bit shaken up, you're thinking, "Good God, you know, how you know we've come over, we've done our quarantine, we've seen my dad, my sisters arrived. I haven't seen my family properly for a year. You know, how are we doing? But, and then you have to check yourself. And she said to me, "You should be here with your family. You've done you the right thing." She was yeah. just brilliant. Um, and then she just said to me, if you've got any issues, she goes, you just ring me, Rachel, and I'm, you know what, I just hope you have no more issues. And I just said, look, it was just, the irony was in the first hour, <laughs> the first two I, hours of... <laughs> after, I, well, it wasn't quite a hellish two weeks, but uh, I heard you saying to yeah. Neil, you played an awful lot of cards. We played an awful no lot TV. of cards. Yeah, I have three teenagers, 18, 16 and 14, so you can imagine, but... Oh. Um, but they, you know, and it, it was worth it. You know, as I said to Neil, it was a, a, a small a small price to pay in order for us to be able to be here. And, you know, my boys are Irish, uh, half Irish. They have English accents, as I said. And I just said to them when we came back from Skip, I said, look, this just shows we have to be really careful. Yeah. People are very jumpy. And I'm not saying, but what was lovely just before the car incident, I was in the shops and I was literally racing around because I wanted to get back. And I bumped into people and they were like, hi, how are you? Great to see you back. And I, you know, I was like, oh, lovely to see you. So I know, I know it's a one-off, but it's often the one-off that kind of throw you, um, having done the right thing. And I just said to my kids, you know, this has happened. Let's hope it won't happen again. And I said, but, you know, these things do happen. You just got to, but but we did the right thing. But I did say to the boys, don't engage, you know, because they're like, well, we'll just say it to them. I said, you just don't know what you're going to get the other side. Yeah. Look, I suppose there there are no mitigating factors for unwarranted aggressive behaviour like this. Uh, yeah. And and if the person is listening, I'm sure they're contrite enough at this stage. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, he he wrote a very nice um, letter back to say he was sorry. Um, do, you, do you think, Rachel, from a timing perspective, you may have been the victim of? Uh, you know, there's a mass exodus, if you like. Well, not a mass exodus, but there's a fairly large exodus from the north of Ireland with English-looking registrations. Uh, traveling all over the country as you know as is their right as well and uh, you know this is July is the time of the year when you will see an awful lot more yellow regs around than you will in any other month yeah 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 and it's really it's that's the thing and and in a way you have to uh, coming in on on English plates you have to there is a difference between English and Northern Irish plates but Mm. not many people not not, not discernible to many people no exactly and uh, you have to take that. So I, I think, and, that, and that's it. I think you just have to say, well, you know, it's it's, it's a very difficult political um, question that it would take us hours to to, to, mm-hmm. to want to discuss and try and figure out a solution. But um, I think it's just the, the, what I was just trying to say to the to our kids or what we're doing is we've we've done the right thing, and there are people who have done the right thing, and you're always going to get people who haven't done the done the right thing, but don't assume and and don't judge and don't be quick to judge, you know, um, and I think that's it. But it's very difficult. I, I totally agree with you with the Northern Ireland uh, border and and the cars coming in and they're able to come in. It's it's very tricky. It is, and and you know all political aspirations aside, for anyone who's a unionist or or a Republican or yeah. whatever, uh, yeah. the whole th- th- this virus is attacking this island. And, exactly. and I think some alignment should be allowed for the geographical yeah. state that we are an island. 
yeah. Northern Ireland yeah, and the Republic of Ireland and have some aligned and joined up thinking yeah. as regards yeah. the green list and the red list. I mean, it's farcical yeah. that if we can yeah. go to Spain and people in Northern Ireland can and then travel freely in, into the Republic, I, I really, I really feel I for those who are on the front line who broke their backs to keep us where we yeah. are today. And, and exactly. it's really hard to see it slipping again, you know. Well, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that's it. I mean, when you're trying, people are trying really hard, and then there's this loophole, and you're thinking, well, you know, as you said, the people on the front line and the hospitals, and they're trying so hard, and yet then there's people who are able to come in, and you just would hope that people who are coming in and out, as as your doctor I heard just a few minutes ago was saying, it's that it's it's down to individuals to try and sort this out, you know, rather than. And people to try and think, well, what do we, where do we want to be in six months' time? Where do we want to be in, in three months' time? And in order to do that, we have to do it individually. Because, it, because if we've got open borders, we, we're not going to be able to rely on that. And how will it fare for you when you go home, uh, when your Irish holiday is over? Yeah, we, we don't have to quarantine in, in the UK. Um, and uh, we'll be back for two weeks before school. School is due to start. I'm, I'm a teacher, so um, we'll just... I think we'll just keep we'll just keep a low profile, but we were keeping a low profile in England anyway. And I, where we're from, we're very lucky. It's a very low a low rate um, in Kent and uh, our part of Kent. So um, we'll just keep a low profile and you know um, just do everything that we're being told to do: washing the hands, wearing the masks, um, and keeping you know keeping your bub- almost your bubbles um, and uh, not being out in the base. And the kids have been brilliant at that. And it's very difficult. My son's 18. We don't know if he's going to go to, he's hoping to go to UCD. He might go to Edinburgh. We've got no clue where they're, where they're all off to. And now the leaving search is all, uh, that's all yeah. results. I mean, it's just, every day you wake up and go, okay, what is going to hit us What's today? happening next? Uh, happening so anyway, next? You, you live in a lovely part of the UK. I venture to say, I have to say patriotically, uh, patriotically, it's not as nice as Skibbereen. But no, there you no, go. You're absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we've, we've, we're here. we've looked after you because you've been a great uh, contributor to the programme. We've um, uh, free passes to Michael Collins' house, a museum dedicated to telling the life story oh, of the Irish patriot nice. and revolutionary hero, Michael Collins. That's based in Clannacilty. And also some, uh, from the kids will love this, some Oak Fire pizza vouchers. Oh, um, my goodness. The vouchers aren't Oak Fire, the pizza is. Uh, <laughs> and, and they have a premises in the town as well. Uh, and we've another oh. few bits and pieces that Brenda's going to oh. get back uh, back onto Brenda's you, and uh, just to try and smooth things over and make it a very oh, very thank enjoyable. Thank you very much. Uh, and for that Before one I incident, go. look, put it behind you. You've been, you've been eloquent thank enough you. about it. You've been big thank enough you. to accept the apology. Uh, yeah, well, it, that's it. You know. And it seems like a genuine one. So, I, I agree with you. There is one request I have. I have, um, if I could ask you sure. very quickly. I have the most wonderful nephews who are down with me, and they said to me yesterday, Auntie Rachel, I hear you might be on the radio tomorrow. Would you ever say hello?" So I'd love to say a big hello to Matty, Ben, and Seb Keen, and it's their dad's birthday today. Matty, Ben, and Seb Keen, is it? Seb, Seb Keen, yeah. And spell they're that. listening. And I said to them, I'd say hello to them. How do you spell it, Seb Keen? Seb S E B. Seb Keen. And Matty, Ben, and my kids, Zach, Sam, and Danny, of course, can't leave my kids out. <laughs> well, in, enjoy <laughs> the few the few little trinkets and gifts we've given you. Uh, I hope the That's kids enjoy the pizza. Uh, and uh, Brenda, Brenda will be back in touch with a few more goodies as well, all right? Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks, William, Rachel. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. 10 to 10 on the Neil Prenderville Show. Good morning to you and good morning to Morris. Hi there, Morris. Good morning to Mick. How are you? Very good. You're wondering about tracking cases, active cases in the country. <laughs> Yeah, Mick, um, you know, it's like we're five months now kind of uh, hiding ourselves away and following public health advice as such, you know. Um, and I was kind of looking at, uh, at things there in the UK recently, and, and they seem to be um, 
Det er sådan, at vi har identificeret the hotspots um, geographically, uh, Mick, like, you know, by a local authority area. I sent in a little map there, no, to Brenda this morning, no, that she showed you, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they are seemingly doing some more geographic work than would seem to be available here. I remember mentioning a fantastic COVID tracker which gave all of the worldwide stats. Uh, yeah. And I'm looking at the Irish stats here now. Uh, 25,760 cases confirmed, 23,364 recovered, and 1,753 sad deaths attributed to COVID-19. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the overall stats now, Mick, right? But can you, or Dr. Flynn, or, or some other virologist, or epidemiologist, or other doctor out there, tell me, or tell you, or tell the general public, today in Cork City, you have X amount of active cases of this being treated. And that's I, a fair question. Goes on there, Mick, like. Yeah, it's a fair question. Do you know, and like, uh, like we were told that the, the vast bulk of the cases were in Dublin overall, right? I think it was something in the 60% area or something like that, you know? So it's fair to say that there's a huge incidence of COVID-19 in Dublin. Now, when you look at, at that in context, then, should we allow travel into and out of Dublin? That, 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 that could be considered a red zone then, you know? That's, I mean, a, whole, that's a whole different issue, and I saw, that's one we will get to talk about. I'm looking at, uh, having Googled statistics, I'm looking at a map of Ireland with a map of cases now, uh, okay. and it's given me 1,555 confirmed cases in Cork. Recovered, yes. nothing, and deaths, nothing. There's no information there. There's no statistic there. For, and you're just scratching your head. Like I mean, I was down in Yall yesterday. It was a beautiful day, and actually the place was packed down there, um, Mick, right? And there were people there, and they were bumping into each other, and the social distance wasn't great. No, I, w- I won't say there was anyone down there having parties or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it actually felt normal for the first time in months to be out and about and that. And I was saying, look, this is what normal is like again, you know? I was in Kinsale yesterday. There was throngs of people around the village. Yeah, yeah. It felt normal, I have to say. Normal? It was like going back back 12 months, you know? And I was saying, look, we need to, we need to get a handle on this. All right, we've all done our bits, uh, Mick, right? Done the distancing, the sanitizing, you know, hiding yourself away if you get any sort of a symptom at all, right? But are we coming to a stage here now, right, that all that's going to be undone by not identifying where these new pockets are, right, and, and controlling these things locally? And you have people, you have people going away and on holidays, and we don't know what's going to come back on the flights with them, Mick, right? And how long, how long can this go on for? You were just talking there about an all Ireland approach. Um, to, uh, you know, what, what, what would you think of that? Do, do, does the geographical element of this island override any political yeah. existence? We, we, can actually, we could actually work with the North, the North government and the North people, right? And it mightn't do us any harm, you know. Yeah, to achieve a complete elimination of the virus over the next couple of months. You could actually do that, but you, then you have a situation then where your island is a fortress, you know, until there's some sort of vaccine. You have to lock down every traveller who comes in, make sure you have them tested, you have to have fast testing facilities then, so, you know, so that you can hold people for a day or two, get the result and say, right, you're positive, you're quarantined, or you're negative, off you go. But you Morris, Morris, it works. Look, look at, oh, uh, work. look at Prime work. Minister Ardern in, in New Zealand and look what she's achieved. Yeah, it does work, yeah. Uh, we could get there. We could get there. And sadly, the UK could have got there as well if they locked down earlier, you know, because they're in Ireland as well. But look, we are where we are, Mick. But I, I would just like, I would just like you and other media people maybe to start raising the question, can we get figures locally on, 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 follow the UK model there on the picture that I've just shown you, right? About in particular council areas. Can you say, we we'll just say for argument's sake, in, in my area here, Cork City Northwest, just 10 cases active right now, right? Then we know, hang on a while now, 
keep your keep your keep yourself indoors around here for another few weeks, you know. Yeah, we but we did have an app for that at the start. We did we did have a geographical kind of red dot app, and I was looking at all the towns. I don't know, I don't know what happened that. To be honest, you know, a, a and text... like you just read out there, you know, you had figures, you had headline figures, and just headline figures. About, that's all, yeah. And there was nothing about who recovered or what's what's active there right now. A texter you know? says, Morris, that uh, the government don't want us to know how many cases are in each country. In each county, is that? Oh, sorry, in each county. Beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah. And why would they want us to know that, Mick? Like? I don't know. Is it for is it for tourism reasons or what? I don't know. Uh, another sure. texter says the new app, the COVID tracker app, has all the info on cases around Ireland and is updated each day. Well, we may have a look at that. So, but I, I don't know that, and and all that seems to do is you you go on Twitter and it says how are you feeling today, right? And you have to go digging. There's nothing out there out front. Like you put on the news now at six o'clock. Bang. Uh, two new deaths, uh, 12 new cases, right? And that's, uh, where are the deaths? Where are the cases, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, it'll go back to March. We knew Bergamo was a hot spot, right? You know, we knew that was the most dangerous place in and, Europe. And we cancelled a rugby point. match but left all the flights come in. You know, exactly, exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's that's how you're going to control this now moving forward, right? And it's, it's common sense and, like, your own responsibility. I mean, if I got, if I was told, if I was told that uh, Killarney is now a hotspot, right? Well, I can tell you, Mick, I won't be going anywhere near Killarney for the next couple of months. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And maybe that feeds back into what the caller said to you there a while ago about the government not wanting us to know. But... If you do wander down there and it is a hot spot, I'm not saying that it is, but if you did, then the potential is you're going to bring it back and create another hot spot back in your own home place. Especially with the R rate, which is over one. Which is over one, yeah. Well, look, I, I actually, I'm wondering about that now as well, Mick, right? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but what's that based on, right? If you had a 1.5 R rate, right, which means the, the virus reproduces... If we have a 1.5 R rate, the cases, uh, new cases yeah. per day, uh, should be over 100 within a few days. It means if if a hundred people are carrying it, well, they have to be tested. In the next of cycle, in the next yeah. cycle, you'll add, you'll add one hundred and fifty to that hundred, right? So you have two hundred and fifty, right? That's what that means. You'll be there okay. in five days. But Morris, yeah. got to leave it there. Thanks a million oh, yeah, for yeah. your comments. Uh, you've raised some okay. very valid points. Thanks a million. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Uh, three minutes to ten o'clock on the Neil Prenderville Show. We have news on the way at ten. The Neil Prenderville Show with Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to Tesco.ie. And you can contact the programme, of course. Our phone lines remain open on 1850104106. You can text 0868104106 and email the Neil Prandival Show at neil at redfm.ie. That's neil at redfm.ie. Back to our phone lines and to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hi, Mick. How are you today? Um, right. You, you think we got off lightly, Tom? I think we, we are where we are now and where we could have been. Uh, I think we got off very lightly. I think looking at what happened in even our neighbours down in the UK, uh, and what's happening in the States at the moment. I think uh, people deserve uh, an awful lot of credit in the, what they had to do in the last three or four months uh, to, 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 to stamp it down. Not, we're never going to stamp it out. We're not, we're, there's certain reasons why we can't do that. But we, I think as a nation, we've done well. And my big fear is that in, a, in two or three weeks, we can undo five months of hard work. I think you, that's, you, that's, if, if the R rate is at 1.5 or 1.6, we can undo it in a couple of days. Well, they are away from you're dealing with figures of, 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 of 10 and 12 and 20 would, would, would take a little bit longer uh, because you're, you're, um, you're not, you haven't, because you're starting at such a small base. Because we know over a matter of weeks, then sure. it goes into hundreds. Yeah. All, all, all I'm saying is that with, with continued 
um, with the continued action of the people, uh, we can control it, of course. But if there's any sort of slippage, uh, the ORA can multiply very quickly. Because oh, very, and because you're, I think if you're dealing with a base of 120 and the ORA still is 1.5, suddenly you're, 100, you're going up huge numbers quite quickly. You get the stats every night, Tom, do you? Yeah, we, I mean, the stats, if you go on Twitter, there's guys compiling county-to-county county stats every night. Uh, if you On the HEC dashboard, if you put in your postal address, you can find out how many figures in your parish or in your town. Didn't know that. Um, That's good info. Oh, uh, yeah, on, on, the, on the dashboard, the HEC dashboard, uh, go scroll back down to, to uh, geographical areas, put in your postal address or your, your electrical address, and it'll go to your whatever town or um, your post, your, basically your voting area, your, your, where your ballot box is. It'll tell you how many how many uh, viruses in total are in that area. Oh, so it, it works like uh, like an election then. Cork South Central, Cork North Central. No, 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 it goes down into where 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 what what school do you vote in? Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, in in let's say in small country areas, they'll all, they'll always have five or less if there's only one, two, three, or four because they don't want you to identify any people. Yeah, okay. But for, let's say for a town or like like from or Mallow or Ballincollig or an area, do you you'll get an exact total for that area. Yeah, but you would imagine anyone who's got a confirmed case or has been confirmed as a case is either self-isolating very, very strictly or in the care of the HSE anyway. You, uh, but the problem, of course, is what the doctor said afterwards is that uh, 25% of the people who have been contacted because of all the apps we have in our phone are refusing to take tests. Wow. So uh, why, why, why download the app, which is there for your safety? Uh, then, then get a safety uh, notice. I'll give you one example of how fast something can spread. There's a there was a, a, a bar in Michigan uh, last week opened up and they were very good with the sanitizers. They were very good at going in the door. They had all the tables six foot apart, social distancing. And it, uh, it, it was a bar and restaurant. But 250 people attended over that one evening. It was a Friday evening. And they, uh, as the evening went on, as more because they haven't got a time limit. Uh, people started moving around. Yeah, there was pipe music quite loud. So people had to shout at each other while they were talking to each other. Do you know how many cases are the two, over the 200 people they had positive by the end of the night? Oh, tell me what. Trace back. Go on, tell me. 187. Wow. And in like one nine, pub, on 90, one night. 90 something percent? Because they reckon it was a super spreader. It was uh, one of these guys who literally well, had no symptoms, uh, was in there a couple of hours, and at 187. Oh, it's, I'll give you the name of the. Just people think I'm exaggerating. It's fake news. It was Harper's uh, Restaurant and Gastro Pub, a brew pub. In East Lansing, in Michigan. Okay, so that's. They reckon it was the yeah. Just against you know, because people said it's fake news and it didn't happen. There was a one other. I can give you one other example. That I saw the weekend. There was a hairdresser who, uh, two hairdressers who turned out to be positive and COVID. They they did followed all the rules with the masks and the gloves, and they saw 130 clients over two days, over three days. Sorry, how many clients do you reckon were infected? I don't know. None. Well. None, because they, while they were both positive, they they had wore the gloves, they had to buy the masks, they made sure everybody washed before or sanitized before and after and during, and uh, their equipment was top class. Uh, again, that was an, I think that was a publicized overview. If somebody typed in Google's two hairdressers positive, they'll see the uh, zero. They went back and tested every one of the of the, of the clients, and not one came back positive. Because if you do follow the rules, nothing bad can really happen. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's, the, but, that's the reality of the, if, if everyone follows the things we're supposed to do I mean you're not going to, I mean you have to be very 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 unlucky yeah but from from today in 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 certain public places like uh, like in shops and, and pub, shopping malls 
And the mask is mandatory, morally mandatory, not not legally yeah, yeah. mandatory. Yeah, I've been wearing it for the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, but I, like if everyone wears a mask, uh, those yeah. with the virus are at much less risk of spreading it, and those without the virus are at much less risk of it's, getting it. It's, it's literally it's as simple as ABC. Why? Why then? Uh, and I know the pubs were are the, not the pubs. The buses were sparsely populated uh, in you know in the throes of the restrictions. But, you know, only last week, now it's mandatory on public transport. Shouldn't we have all been wearing masks from the very start? I mean, because, but the problem was, of course, is that we call it COVID, but it, the full name is the novel COVID. It's the first time it was around. Um, I mean, literally, la- I mean, my, my big fear at a personal level, my big fear uh, with the virus is not what will happen to people who have, because I don't think anybody that's younger has a huge chance of passing away it's a, but two, two things one if it mutates like the let one 100 years ago which mutated between the first and second wave but secondly what are the long term effects we literally because we've only had the virus for six months we have no idea what, has, what has the long term effects of us to your blood or to your brain or, or, or any of your vital organs so I, my big fear is in seven, eight, nine, ten years time there'll be problems facing the medic, medical sector of people who had COVID back in 2020, 2021. With, 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 I think it's a, it's a fear that uh, a few people share, you know? Because yeah. we were dealing with it at the moment. I've heard stories of people who reckon they've had it, have recovered, uh, and have presented with not just further respiratory problems, but with certain scar tissue on their lungs. Yeah, it's 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 uh, by all accounts. I've I've seen those stories that it seems like it's like to been smoking like forty uh, untipped tags a day or something. You know, uh, I've I've just seen other stories about brain. Your brain functions slightly different. Um, who did I see lately? Uh, actually, quite quite. It was uh, who was it? It was um, it was I think it was a, a politician or politician that always said that he actually become quite forgetful uh, for a few minutes, quite confused for a few minutes every day. Until he just sits down and relaxes and gets going again. No, it's it's look, there's no point frightening people. But because it's the novel COVID virus, I mean, there's no, they're learning as they go. I mean, they, 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 they hopefully, but there is a chance that the, 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 we could be waiting quite a bit for a vaccine and we could be facing like this be our new normal and, you know, we, we'll adjust to it. Let's hope so. We have somebody who wants, uh, uh, wants to engage with you there, Tom, just a second. No Daniel, is that you? That's right, yeah. You say Tom is giving false information. He is actually because that that's the dashboard that he's talking about. It's not actually being updated. It was last updated on the twelfth of June, so it's six weeks out of date. Mm-hmm. Now I I gave information from a dashboard that I had uh, that said one thousand five hundred and fifty five cases in Cork. Didn't give any information about recovery or deaths. So I imagine that's all out of date anyway. But you're talking about Tom's yeah. dashboard. He's talking about the dashboard for the that you can check the elect, electoral area. The numbers in the electoral area. And you're saying it's not been updated? No, no, not since the 12th of June. All over the country hasn't been updated. I, I, I was on there last week checking it. I checked it a while ago, actually. That's the same? Yeah, no change. Okay, no change, Tom. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I was. And uh, but I would, would point out that uh, 95% of our cases took place before the 12th of June. That we've, since the 12th of June, we're down into either single figures or high teens. Uh, which with cases where during uh, March and April we were talking about seven eight hundred cases. Can, can I put a question generally to both of you? Uh, let's say Tom first, okay, and then Daniel. Um, we are we have moved. Um, we've compressed the timeline laid out by Tony Holan and and Neffet. And Tony Holan 
has necessarily absented himself now from the fray because he's caring for his very sick wife. Uh, and he just he did a Trojan job and much respect to him. So Dr. Glynn is now in charge. Uh, do you think we compressed too soon with the benefit of hindsight? Do you think, you know, what's happening today with the pubs not opening is, is that sort of admission that I mentioned, that second wave is here. It's definitely coming. Do you think we compressed it too soon, Tom? Absolutely not. Uh, the UK held back one extra week and they went from, they, 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 and their own scientists admit this, they just literally held back one extra week trying to decide what to do. And that cost them dearly. No, I'm not, I'm not talking uh, about the start. I think we got we got into the fray very quickly and very solidly under Tony Hullohan. Oh, that we were too successful in bringing down. Yeah, and then we, the, we compressed numbers. the timelines back to today um, we, from the 10th of August. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we have been very successful, but you can you can never criticise success. I mean, the the um, I, how many people would you prefer to have had the case if we weren't as successful? A doctor said that no matter what we do, we'll probably end up with the same number at the end of the day than we would have if we hadn't. Yeah. But the problem is, is, is that the, the, the last thing we need is people not being able to secure beds or internet or something. Daniel, your opinion on that? Um, it's hard to know really because we don't know what the figures are. We don't know what the real figures are. So it's hard to make a judgment. We don't know what the real figures are. Mm-hmm. No, would, would Daniel, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that, the, let's say, we could, we could agree that we don't, we're not exactly sure what the real figures are, but what we do know, the real figures would be for things like hospitalisation. Hospital, and excess deaths. So we know how many people usually die every six months in the country. So we know exactly, exactly how, uh, and we can look back over the last five years, how many people usually die over every six months. So we know how many excess deaths we had. So we've that spot on. And we also know how many people usually go to hospital over six months. And we can look over five, ten years, and we can see exactly how many extra people ended up in that, hospital. That begs the so question, we know, we, though. We know those figures. That begs right. the question, are, are too many deaths being attributed to COVID-19? Well, we... Sorry, what people are actually looking for now is real-time information so that they know that if, is it safe to go on holidays? It's, is it safe to go to the seaside? Is it safe to go and visit, visit relations in some other town or city? They're not interested in debts. They want to know, you know, has the government got the situation under control? Are they giving real information? Are they actually... Updating the information so people can go about their business safely and, you know, avoid the areas that there might be at risk of actually picking up the virus. That's but what that, we, we can't, you can't do that, Daniel, because the, let's say if I want to go, let's say Killarney or Dingle, if I go to Killarney, I could decide to go to Killarney two weeks ago. But what I wouldn't have known was that there was a party going on for a week that the biggest cluster case in the country came from in Killarney that week. I wouldn't have known that oh, travelling yeah. down. You know, I, I could have ended well, up in the middle of that yeah. gang in a, in a restaurant or a bar. I wouldn't have known in the real-time situation that was going on around me. All we can... Yeah, and I the government, wouldn't have known that there was uh, a busload of text, Texans after coming in either. Yeah. I know, yeah. no, and no, that's, no, the, no, in, in fairness, that's the second oh, time we've mentioned Killarney, guys. Yeah, but, uh, let, let's call it... I mean, I mean, all our cases as such have been homegrown. I mean, we can... We can Look, at, we can talk about Yang's hotels. They have not been it's, homegrown. That's they have been homegrown. cases have been imported. The first, uh, the first three weeks, the high, highest percentage, uh, in the first three weeks, the higher percentage were coming in from abroad because we're on island. But once it landed here, it was here. And it's all our individual, it's nothing to do with the government or ministers. It's all our individual responsibility to decide whether to go to a party, to walk out of a restaurant if we feel unsafe, to pull away from a beach that's over overpacked, Walk away from a shop that hasn't got the sanitizers, or, 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 or walk away from a shop that's not enforcing masks. It's all about individual responsibility. 
There's facts to that. You know, the most dangerous thing you can do in, in, for to connect is be a member of a choir. That's the most dangerous uh, thing you can do in society at the moment is be a member of a choir. After that, it is, but it's as far the biggest one. The second thing, the second biggest thing then is indoor sporting events or indoor concerts because people are shouting, they're expressing emotion. The third thing is in, indoors in, in where people are in social distancing. And you can work it back. There's, I saw one there where there's, I think there's 60 different things you can do and they rank them from 10 out of 10 being high risk to 0 out of 10. Walking along the mountainside is 0. Yeah, there are, ma- there are many who are saying yeah, that, there, that, that tennis was unfairly, was unfairly targeted during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that information is there of, of what people can do and what they can't do and what's high risk and low risk. I mean, all we've been asked to do is to, I mean, I'd love to go to the sun at the I mean, with the weather. But all we've been asked to do is not, not travel abroad for unnecessary journeys. It doesn't matter what's on the green list or the blue list or the orange list. Uh, all we've been asked to do is to don't attend uh, huge house parties for the no social distancing. Uh, go for a meal. Uh, the reason why, the, I mean, the whole thing you're talking about, the reason why the meal is there is people are stuck to the tables. That the restaurant business model is for people to sit at the one table, eat their meal, have a few drinks, and disappear. While the pub business model is bring people in and hold them for a longer period of time uh, because they're not looking for the table. Because people are, don't eat two dinners, but they will have four, five, six pints. Um, it's 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 human. It's each one of us can decide ourselves. And if we all make the right decisions, we'll be out of this before most other countries. Daniel. Oh, he's gone. Okay, we've lost Daniel here. But uh, Tom, thanks very much for your comments. No where, where do you think where, where do you think we go from here? We we, we if we if we can keep it low, we can hold the hold the line and make the right decisions. At some stage, one or two, one well, three, one or three things will happen. Um, the treatments are getting more effective. I think uh, I'm not a scientist, so but the the the, 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 the treatment rates will get better. A vaccine will be developed or not. Our third, like the other pandemics around the world, the pandemic slowly works its way out, and as as we build up a, a, a type of immunity. But okay. the, 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 the one is we can't make the mistakes. I mean, like the, the Brazilians, the Mexicans, the South Africans, the Indians, where there's huge, massive breaks where they're not even recording the deaths anymore. Yeah, certain parts uh, of America are, are, are following I, I, suit. I mean, Arizona has a population of seven million. They have more cases every day than the entire European Union. Wow. Okay, John is on line two. Stay with me, Tom. John, good morning. How's it going? Not too bad. You think it's all a load of bull? I, I tell you now, right? Yeah, honestly, you no, know, right? Statistically, like, there's more people die from the cold and the flu uh, every year than they do from COVID 19. There's more people die from alcohol every year from COVID 19. Like, if you look at it really, right, honestly, if you were to go into a pub, uh, a toast of ham and cheese sandwich is supposed to protect you, but uh, when well, you have a point, but you're not allowed to have a point. Realistically, it doesn't make a difference. So I'm going around. I'm going to go around with a ham and cheese sandwich on my face because apparently it works when you go to the pub anyway. Well, a ham, a ham and cheese sandwich, uh, farcically, that cost you nine euro will protect yeah, you, but a ham and cheese sandwich that costs you three euro won't. There you go, like. Right, so, it's, it's not a great so, line, John. Cool. COVID-19 COVID is supposed to protect like uh, the toast and ham and cheese sandwich is supposed to protect you from the COVID-19 while you're in the bar but it, a point doesn't yeah, no, I, I, if you think about it I know but I, I think if, if you're going to a pub just drinking and not eating uh, the as your guard slips as the alcohol gets involved in the system you're, you're, you're going to get closer to the people uh, it's inevitable you're, go, you're going to be pushed up close to people and maybe that's what the government <laughs> want to stop we're going to be talking to two publicans by the way on the programme this morning yeah, as well yeah. Yeah, there's a 
there's a, a, a top epidemiologist came out, Dolores O'Reilly is her name, right? And she turned around and said that it's all a ruse. She turned around and said that basically the COVID-19 can be in the family of a lot of the cold flu symptoms. So when you go get a test, you could have a cold, but it still comes up as COVID-19. So basically, if you when when you get the test, it still reads as COVID-19, but it's not, it's not actually COVID-19. But you're, you're not going to die from it, whatever happens, and, and that leads to wrong, look, look, wrong look, figures. Look, people die with their own flim, but they literally, they die drowning in their own flim. That's what yeah, happens. Like, you, no, 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 stop it. You'll be, yeah, you'll be literally... Why are your doctors coming out? Why are your doctors, pull, doctors You're speaking, out, you're rambling. It's like someone coming off a mountain that they're oh. dying, or coming out of the bottom of the sea that they, they're, they're blow bubbles. Why are, why, why are doctors in America and whatever coming out and saying this about it? About, saying what about it? They're saying that it's like, it's not lack of oxygen. It's actually because it's like, when you come down off a mountain and your blood bubbles and your oxygen actually clots. bubbles. Your blood clots. Your, the blood is yeah, clotting. In the, yeah. if, 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 like, what's happening like, with, with like virus like, overload patients, the blood is clotting. Yeah, because what's happening is, is the, the actual cause of it is that you're losing your oxygen. And then what happens uh, is... No, you, you mean, you, listen, go back. They're, tell they're, me one case. So, tell me one case of the common cold where blood clots. Tell me, tell me this, No, you brought it up. If it's a common, it show me one case of a common cold where the blood clots. Yeah, but tell me this, though. Why is it, why is it statistically that it's 0.01% to 0.3% that they locked down the whole country, right? And then, right? They locked down the whole country, and then, with that statistic, they're not doing it with the cold or the flu. Well, first of all, the death the, the, the rate is very low. It's two percent. It's two percent. No, if I give you a hundred, if I give you a hundred, if I give you a hundred jelly beans, if I give you a hundred jelly beans with two, we're going to kill you. One at a time, guys. Come on. Listen, listen. If it's a hundred, if there's a hundred people in the room, right, and it's only two percent, that means there's only fucking a fraction of that hundred that's dying. Really small, minute. That has to lock down the whole country. That people have to lose jobs. That people have to be out of pocket. That people can't actually live their lives, and they're being controlled and dictated, and they're told that they have to take a vaccination that might or might not work. How is that fair? Uh, if I give How everyone a, a packet of M and M's, and if there was two M and M's in there, I guarantee you they would kill you instantly. Who would stick their hand in to get an MM? Nobody, probably. Take, Nobody. And that's, that's, we can ramble you out about statistics, but 2% of the people. What is 2% of the Irish population? You take a so, so does that mean what is 2% of the Irish population? Alright lads, we've got to wrap it up there. You're getting very agitated, John. You've used language already, so we're gonna, I'm going to have to cut you off. Tom, thanks for... No, uh, about my, my uh, mind stuff. My, my stuff thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, apologies there that uh, a certain word got out on the air, but that's uh, the way it goes on live radio. 26 minutes past 10. The Neil Prendival Show. Call us on 1850 Text 86 or email neil at redfm.ie. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Just a touch of uh, 10.30 on this Monday morning. Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prenderville Show for today and for the coming two weeks as Neil takes a well-deserved holiday. Now on line three we have Catherine Clancy. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Mick. Good morning. Now, 
Uh, good morning. Residents living in the vicinity of UCC say they are relieved after a district court judge issued an order to ensure that a landlord who owns two student houses in the city where partying has been ongoing for, he- for seven weeks has to keep his houses in order. Can you bring me up to speed on that one? I will, Mick. Uh, first of all, um, Mick, we were back in court last Friday. We had been in court the week before with Judge Owen Kelleher and the landlord, Faulkner O'Reilly, um, was uh, given a week to put his uh, house in order. But before I go on, Mick, I just first have to say that, uh, you know, the Resident Association couldn't have taken this uh, action. It had to be two individuals. So I have to acknowledge the courage of Maureen O'Callaghan and also on Sadie O'Malley in taking the case. So um, last Friday week, um, Judge Owen Kelleher said that he believed uh, the evidence of the residents and found that uh, Mr. Um, Faulkner O'Reilly had a responsibility to manage his properties and that his properties should not be a disturbance or a nuisance to any of the residents. So he gave him a week to uh, take measures to uh, sort out his house and um, I suppose like last weekend the outcome of that uh, Mick is for the first weekend in seven weekends we had our community back. Well, wow. silence. Not, not silence. I don't mean to say so, silence. Something must no, have been done already, maybe. then, Catherine. Was it? There was, yeah, there was. I suppose as well as that. I suppose Faulkner O'Reilly, but there's other properties around the place as well where um, houses were emptied in the interim, also, and um, any landlords that we rang about any issue, they were more than cooperative. So what has it has been a game changer that court case for us. Okay, so uh, game here, changer. Mm-hmm. What what you've said is we just want to be able to enjoy our community and enjoy yeah. our homes. We've not been able to enjoy mm-hmm. our homes since the twenty eighth of May. We were uh, heading mm-hmm. last weekend into our sixth week without sleep, mm-hmm. and all we want is mm-hmm. for the students in these houses to respect the community. That's fair enough. The pubs that are open and are not open today, each and every licensed premises in this country, Catherine, has a duty of care uh, to the community, and that they have mm-hmm. to be seen to be running an orderly house. OK, if, yeah. if there's constant fighting, uh, if there's constant um, mm. rowdy behaviour in pubs, the full rigour of the law will be applied to them. Uh, and in this case, I'm thinking in the area where you're talking about, there is the Port Clare, Clare Society who have they've dedicated their life to silence and peace. Mm. Uh, mm. And they should be entitled to peace if they want it. Mm. Uh, there are residents and there, of course, there are infirm and elderly and sick people in the Bonsacourse Course mm. Hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as well as the other residents who have a uh, huge right, of course, mm-hmm. to, to live in a peaceful environment. And all the different uh, bodies that you in, mentioned there now, Mick, and um, the nuns in the Port Clare, Silent Order, you know, who are praying for us every day in the middle of our community, which is wonderful. And the Bon Secure, he mentioned all those, you know, but and most of all, he said, as residents, we're entitled to the enjoyment of our home. And, you know, we were very welcome, I suppose, the week before, when we went in, the judge said he'd take a week to uh, give Mr. Faulkner O'Reilly, uh, you know, a chance to put his house in order. And um, when we went in last Friday, he welcomed that Mr. O'Reilly had taken measures to, um, you know, give notice to the tenants. But also, what we most welcome most of all was the order placed on the property by Judge Owen Keller. I think that was the real difference. So if there is any significant noise or any breaches of the order that Mr O'Reilly, we can go back in to court, uh, Mr O'Reilly then can be punishable to a fine of €1,000 or 12, 12 months in jail. Who's, who's going know, to take we, 12 months in jail over €1,000 as a landlord, well, to no, be fair, Catherine? It, it, no, it, no, but it can, go, it can move on to that. Yeah. It can uh, move on to that. And I suppose that's a point as well, Mick, like we as residents feel, you know, in 2020, the fine on these properties is pittance. You know, 
they, some of these houses have up to 10 people inside them and we saw the, the actual agreement for one tenant last year in uh, Mr O'Reilly's property. 7,600 for a room for the college term. That's just one tenant. And then they're relet as well for the summer period. So there's huge income out of these properties and many of the landlords are on their place, you know, run them in a, a perfect uh, manner, respecting the community. And we have students, I have four houses near me, the students are here since uh, before March. They're very decent people, we're neighbours. But like, you know, in the instance where landlords do not run their properties and specifically like to be shown to not run their properties, that do not respect the community, do not respect the neighbours. You know, the fine is minimum really and we need to look at that. And also what we've called from as residents as well, Mick, is the licensing of landlords. If you were to open a kennel in the morning, Mick, you'd have to get a licence. If you were to drive a taxi, you'd have to get a licence. Yet you can let out the property, be responsible for the people in property and nobody, no, no licence needed and no accountability. And also make the type of an NCT inspection of properties before they're rented. Many of the students here, like, and I look at their parents coming with them and they come in September, October to go into these houses. The houses are in atrocious condition. Terrible condition, but that's not reflected in the income. The income is huge to the landlord, but the standards are very low. I think students deserve a better type of accommodation and landlords should be, you know, um, have to be compelled to some type of inspection before they let that property out. That's a fair we point. houses here, you know, during the COVID-19, this is the truth, Mick, we had houses here. First of all, they were let out to people that had no business here, which is totally against the COVID-19 regulations. They weren't essential workers. They were here just a party, some of them coming from just the next parishes. And the landlords, first of all, open up their houses to those people just a party was wrong. But I want to say to the parents that dropped them here and to the young people, like, were they aware? And I, I'm sure it was visible when they went into them. Some of these houses were not even clean to a standard before they went into them between nettings in the middle of a COVID-19 uh, epidemic. Wow. I mean, you know, that needs to be looked at. And also, I suppose for us, what we'd like to see our legislators put in place if you were to open any other business, you'd need to, you know, if you were to turn a house into any other business, you know, be it, um, you know, if you were to turn it into a doctor's surgery, and in this case, if you're turning it into the business of letting to uh, students, it should require a plan of permission. There's no plan of permission needed, and that's wrong. It doesn't, you know, we need to be able to sustain this community here. We have two houses up for sale around here now at the moment. We'd love to see families coming in there, but even no matter what the outcome of those houses, we'd need that it should be true planning if there was to be yes. a so you're, you're a victim of your of your geographical vicinity too. Yes. To much yes. needed uh, yes. educational. Yeah. But I think you know, Cork City Council at the moment they're asking for um, you know submissions on their development plan. You know, and really within their development plan, we should have besides the next one, it should be actually there now that to change a property into a subletting or to change it into a multi-use uh, and to student letting, it should require planning permission in the interest of the same. Yes, because the, the density of rental properties in the area you live yes. is, is, is actually, mm. it, it's, it's diminishing, I suppose, house values. Yes. Uh, or increasing house values for families. Increasing house values, that, that, I think, really, because... Yeah, yeah, but, but diminishing your chance of ever selling one unless to a landlord. That's it. Or the interest, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it will be from a landlord because we sometimes felt there during the last couple of weeks that there was nearly a consorted uh, effort by the landlords to get rid of us because the income is huge from mm-hmm. them, you know, but I think in the interest of the city. And the whole environment around UCC as well, there's some parts there further down College Road that are really, you know, all lit at this stage. We're quite residential still up around our area here, like, you know, and I think it's in everybody's interest. It's in the interest of the city. It's in the interest of UCC to support us as, as a community 
community here because if you like, you know, we set the standard around the place and if you're deciding to send your child to UCC from any other city or any other country, you look not only at the campus of UCC, but you look at the environment mm-hmm. around it as well. So it is in all our interest. You held high office in Cork, Catherine, did you? Pardon? You're a former Lord Mayor, aren't you? I am for Lord Mayor 2013, 2014, yeah. wonderful honour. I thought I recognised the voice. <clears throat> <laughs> can, can I ask you maybe for your, opi- nice for your opinion on, on, on this, Catherine, because I, I would regard Judge Olin Kelleher's um, his decision, really, to be a watershed in a certain respect, because I would believe, and this is only my, my own personally held opinion, uh, there could, be, could have been some murky waters here between the people who lost their jobs, say, and, and they're being protected by non-eviction protection. Uh, and mm-hmm. the people who are in student accommodation were probably being protected by the same law. Uh, and so this, I would imagine, is a, is a very important decision arrived at by Judge Olin Kelleher in, in that, uh, no, you're not, you're not uh, availing of non-eviction protection uh, because of this yeah. judgment. You, you can't avail of that. You're, yeah. not, a, you're not a worker who's lost its job or his or her job. Mm-hmm. You, you're, mm-hmm. you're a student causing a nuisance. And I, we very much welcomed uh, Judge Olin Keller clarifying that. He clarified it Friday week. And he also clarified it again last Friday. And that's significant for us because uh, Saturday week I heard a statement come out from the Irish Landlords Association saying that they were looking for the COVID-19 regulations around um, the renting of properties to be lifted so as they could deal with antisocial behaviour and that like, you know. That's not the case. That's not the case. And it's a red herring really like, you know, as to the lifting of the, of the, of the actual uh, legislation. Very clearly, Judge Olin Kelleher said, you know, that the um, COVID-19 is primarily and to do with financial reasons. So if you're in a rental property and you've lost your job or your income has been decreased and you're not able to afford your, um, your rent, you cannot be evicted during COVID-19. But antisocial behaviour, damage to property, um, nuisance, noise, partying, all those things just still stand. And okay. I think that was a good clarification to get that, you know. I'd like yeah, to synopsize yeah, yeah. our conversation, Catherine, if, yeah. if, if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what you're calling for. You're calling for the licensing of landlords, an NCT-type mm-hmm. certification for rental properties, a public register mm-hmm. of property owners so that all of the landlords mm-hmm. are publicly listed, um, modernisation of the planning laws perhaps in respect of residential properties being changed from multi-occupancy properties so they, they'll have to fulfil a certain standard. And I suppose as hotels do now, they're sanitising bedrooms between changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to leave uh, a property, change renters in an unkempt condition, uh, w- without being sanitised, in the middle of a pandemic, should be outlawed as well. Per- exactly. And uh, we're, we're witnessing that not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's awful. And I don't you know the parents that dropped, some of these people were very young, they were dropped off here since the 28th of May. Um, hardly leave us hurt, some of them, like, and, and sleeping in these houses. Do the parents really think, you know, I heard parents say, like, we they just need to get, you know, leave off a bit of steam, we need to get out of each other's hair. It was uh, it was against the regulations around COVID nineteen what they did, but also it wasn't safe for their children. We really believe that, and like you know, even those few that are remaining here, really, you know, and um, we had a landlord at the weekend now that emptied his house again. You know, multi coming from everywhere. There was a you know um, a really big party there on Friday night, and they were from everywhere. But when he, what the landlord said to us after he said, do you know, some of them could have walked home. 
they were mm. so near the, their houses, like, their you know houses, what I mean? Yeah. People need to think about what they're doing. And I suppose the most important thing for us, I suppose, um, first of all, I want to thank David McCoy as well, the solicitor there for representatives, but also the most important thing for us now. You know, we knew each other to salute before all this happened. We are now um, very united as a community. We've got very, very strong relationships now as neighbours, like, you know. So if need be, we will go back in with, um, you know, another uh, act onto the um, 108 Environmental Protection Agency. Well, if it slips again, Catherine, I guess you have to follow through, don't you? We will, will, and in, in the long term, I suppose, you know, you can go to the PRTB as well, and, but that's a much slower boat, like, you know, mm-hmm. but I think what has happened as well, it has given a message to landlords across the country because I had uh, a councillor from Limerick um, on to me on Friday afternoon following our court case, to, you know, looking for information on that because they're quite, he represents an area quite near the university there as well and um, looking to take the same type of case. So, you know, there are landlords around here who are fantastic. I have four houses near me, no problem. These young people have been there before the, epi- uh, the pandemic and uh, they're, they're neighbours. Like, you know, to each other, the I same suppose, as we are, Pat, you know Pat, what I mean? Catherine, yeah. fi- finally, and sorry to interrupt you, but mm, I, I'm no way worries. over time. I want to bring Sarah in okay. next. Uh, I suppose, fi- yeah. finally, in a certain sense, and with the absence of facilities, and with the student budgets not allowing them to spend nine euros to be safe from COVID-19, he said tongue-in-cheek, um, can you blame them for turning their properties into pubs and nightclubs? I do blame them. I do blame them, and I blame the landlords as well. Like, you know, they are not um, living in a bubble and they shouldn't be allowed to live in a bubble. We all have to comply with the COVID-19 regulations. Just before I came on there, now there was an ad to say, you know, no more than 10 people inside in a house. Yep. I mean, if that had been the case for us for the last six weeks, seven weeks, and um, we had two houses empty during the week where that wasn't the case either. But we do welcome that the landlords in this instance took action. But I believe that action has taken place, you know, because of the outcome of our court case. I just want to thank all our residents. We have a fantastic community here. And hopefully now we get back to living in peace and enjoying the lovely okay. area. That and we, we, wish you, we wish you all the best as a And just to say as well, before regard. you go, Mick, I suppose, you know, I know Neil isn't on this morning, but he did come when we held our vigil way back in, which seems a long time ago now, the start of um, June. And, you know, his presence there was significant and he got a real understanding where we were at at the time. I'd like to thank him and all at Red of him for your support in the last couple of weeks. All right, you're very kind. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Mick. Thank bye you. Bye all bye. the best. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That's bye. Laura, former Lord Mayor of Cork, Catherine Clancy. Uh, we go on the same topic to Sarah on line one. Good morning, Sarah. Hi, how are you? You're laughing there, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're laughing at one of the comments. The students were quiet all weekend. Well, they were they were a noisy Saturday night. Right, what time? Um, that was from half past nine till about half past one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it was a lot quieter than what they are usual, usually, so... Okay. Sure what happened, I'm not sure. Okay, let, let me give people a flavour of how you were feeling on Friday night, okay? Uh, now, bear in mind, we're only meant to have 10 people in a house at any one time. They can only be from four different houses. You can only have 50 people in uh, an enclosed space if that space is large enough to accommodate social distancing. But here's your text. Uh, them students don't give a crap about anyone. I'm living in Noonan's Road, and I swear there's about 50 of them in one house. They start parties every night at 11 and will go on till 6 in the morning, pumping techno music full blast. They're hanging out windows uh, and fighting there. And uh, that, that's the sort of flavour of, uh, of what you were feeling on Friday night. Um, yeah. How do you feel now? We, 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 you did send us some audio as well. Yeah, I sent the audio, yeah. They're like that all the time. Like, they just, they don't care. They don't care. Like, there was one week there, like, I was awake four nights in a row from them. Like, it's a joke. 
Okay, let's let's give people a flavour of what you were hearing on uh, the, the night in question. It's about 20 seconds. And yep. uh, just to give people a flavour of what it feels like to live near a house party. You can certainly hear the music. You can certainly hear oh, yeah. that there's more than yeah. 10 people involved in that recording. Oh, there is. Yeah, there is. Like, they're coming and going and coming and going. Like, there'd be so many there. They just don't care. And, like, they'd be throwing bottles in and then they'd be firing their bottles over people's walls. They'd be at cars. They don't care. Mm-hmm. So, some of they, they'll have their own houses and have to put up with a little bit of social unrest and noise themselves. And you'd wonder, will, will they grow out like, of this? Yeah, do you know, it's, I, I don't know. I just can't understand what, what they'd be doing, like. Mm-hmm. Listen, thanks. Thanks for the audio. Uh, no let's bother. hope it stays. It stays better. I, I mean, that that week is nearly up now since Judge Olin Kelleher's decision. So it's going to have to be pretty strictly enforced now. Yeah, uh, not not just by the landlord in question, but I think he sent a, a message generally to all landlords who cater for student accommodation that you have to watch yourself. You have to buy uh, abide by community spirit and rules. You have to abide by the COVID nineteen regulations, and we'll take action if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Cheers, bye-bye. one 106 is our number if you want to get in touch by phone, by text, it's 0868104106 and uh, by email, neil at redfm.ie. We'll come back to the topic in a moment. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at neilredfm. 104 to 106 Red FM. And it's 11 minutes before 11 now. Morris, good morning. Oh, good morning, Mick. Now, rowdy and boisterous house parties are your topic as well. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think I, th- I think Sarah was wondering there what, what's going on there. I think what's, what's, what's actually going on with these house parties is a lot of underage drinking going on there. That's the first thing that has to, that has to be said uh, with these parties. So they, that's, that's, I, I think, a very big problem. The, the, the level of drink that's there, they're, they're, they're used as piss-ups. And they have, um, they, I, I think, really, at the end of the day, it, it's, time, it's time for legislation, very strong legislation to be brought in um, just, just, just to, to completely uh, ban these house parties entirely. Um, are, are you saying then that the it's, they're ostensibly student parties and students would be over eighteen, but there are younger people attending? Absolutely, there, there, there are indeed there are indeed um, uh, people attending, and the, the, what the guard need is more powers like, to come on private property, uh, make arrests, and uh, and, uh, and ultimately to, to, to shut down these these parties because like, people are not entitled to turn their properties into nightclubs and pubs and beer gardens, which is exactly what's going on at the moment. Um, Darrell O'Brien, though, he's the new housing minister, and he, he, he stepped in there for uh, Barry Cohn because, because of his, uh, <laughs> ironically, his drink problem. And uh, I, I think it's time for legislation, very strict legislation, to be brought in to, to, to protect the neighbour, to protect the neighbourhood. Um, there can be a lot of criminal damage as well. Um, to, to bring this 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 whole this this whole kind of um, movement, if you like, whereby uh, underage drinking and these uproarious parties that go on for long period and bring them to an end completely and utterly and totally, because it is a very big problem in this country at the moment. Well, I, I suppose the only way to get around that is a decibel curfew. Um, no, the way to get around it is 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 is, is, to, is to give the guardie um, enough legislation to go on private property. Uh, make arrests um, for whether it be underage drinking, the, the selling of drugs um, as well. And there can be a lot of damage. There can be a lot of damage around 
around these parties as well. They're very destructive things. It's a free-for-all. Um, legislation needs to be toughened up in this area. Public nuisance acts, private nuisance acts, so people can live in peace and stop dealing with the, this, this kind of nefarious element. I know you know what these students are doing, are supposed to be studying. It, it, seems, it seems to me all they seem to be doing is, um, is drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and causing all the damage in the world. Now, we can't allow this to go on. I mean, government must govern. Local government must get involved. The Gardaí must get involved. Legislators must get involved to give people, uh, to allow people to enjoy their property rather than having, and it's not just up in UCC and College Road. It's all over the bloody place. I mean, there are house parties here, there, and everywhere. I mean, the, the pubs, the pubs will be out of business before they know it anyway. Because what's what's going on in this country is that people are just having parties. They're driving on uh, late into the night and into the morning. It's outrageous. I mean, government must govern. What about gate crashers? We've seen uh, to yeah. dramatic and fatal effect the effect a gate crasher had uh, on that poor student Cameron earlier in the year. Uh, these domestic nightclubs can also have their element of gate crashers, who can also be unsavoury people, who might also be preying on. A legitimate, if you if if you get my drift, uh, an ordinary party, whether whether suitable or not, um, people coming to the door of a party to sell drugs. Absolutely, they don't know who they're bringing friends, but you know they invite a number of friends. They bring friends. Uh, the party gets going. The music gets higher. They hire DJs. There's marquees. There's all sorts of stuff going going on there. Um, they don't know who these people are. Uh, what they're up to. Um, you know, and I think I, I think as well, Mick, and it, it's a little bit controversial, like like where unethical behaviour going on, where they're trying to get very young women drunk, drunk so they can take them easy for sex. There's a lot of that going on as well, and I really wish they, 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 they'd stop all that kind of thing because nothing comes, nothing good comes out of these parties. You've a lot of teenage pregnancies. You you've got people pissed up to the, to, uh, pissed out of their minds. The Gardaí have to be called, you know, they have to they sort it all out. Uh, you know, there's, there's parents brought into it, there's, there's, there's all kinds of people. You know, it, it creates a big mess for everybody. Well, I mean, if legislation we, was enacted that would allow the Gardaí to prosecute those, and, and they will have to have their names registered with the landlord, they have to have a contract. So let's say there's well, five, or six, five or six students staying in a house and they have 100 people in the house having a party, then they're liable to be criminally charged with uh, in, being in breach of COVID-19 rules. You see, you see, the problem is the Gardaí need evidence. It's all about evidence. They need to, they, they need to collect evidence. They need to know who these people are, and that, that's where the problem is. And as uh, well, I, I think these cases should be very easy to brought to court, and I don't believe there should be any burden with costs whatsoever. That's why we need legislation here um, to, 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 to give, give people a framework to shut these people down, and the landlord to shut these people down completely, and, and stop a landlord being a landlord if they cannot control the people that are on their property. Uh, they, have a, they have a vicarious responsibility. They, they own the property. They, they've got to see to it. So what we, what we need is legislation, first of all, to, to make it very easy to bring a case against these people. I, I believe that it, win or lose, that, that, that they should be completely free to take, take a case. And we need the, the, the Gary to have better resources to get the evidence that they need to prosecute these people. In other words, they can go on, they can take evidence to bring this whole kind of culture of... I couldn't give a, a damn one way or the other. I'm going to do whatever I bloody well want. I'm going to smash up the town. I'm going to sell drugs. I'm going to have an unraised thing to, and to hell with my neighbour. I couldn't care less and bring that culture to a complete end. And how would that work? Would you say three strikes, you're out if you're a renter. If you're a student renter and you're found to be in breach or the guards have to call three times because of genuine complaints about noise and rowdy behaviour or whatever, uh, three strikes and you're out. You, you're, you're actually kicked out of the house. But three strikes... 
but a landlord. And now you cannot be a landlord in that house anymore. And here's my suggestion. Now the house must be sold to a family. It can, it's delisted as a, as a rental property. It must be uh, owned by a family uh, who are paying a mortgage and settling in the area. That would that would regenerate communities rather than making them worse. Um, I, I, I don't agree. Well, 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 three strikes and out. You have to bring three prosecutions, and they, they can be very they can be very expensive to, to, to bring. I, I believe one strike in that situation. I think it should be a very very serious thing indeed to disturb the community. To disturb your neighbour should be, I mean, it's the 11th commandment out there, like, thou shalt not disturb thy neighbour, like, you do not disturb a neighbour. That's that, 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 that's what people must hold on to. I mean, our society must have some kind of decorum. Um, drink, obviously, is a very, very big problem in this country, and the drugs, no, it's, you know, again, it's all down to government and good government and good legislation, which we don't have in this country, and that's what we need. I don't believe in uh, three strikes in your own, like, uh, this business for a landlord. A landlord is supposed to be responsible um, I don't believe three trees. I, I believe one strike and they should be out. But again, they need the evidence. They need a guarantee with enough legislation to bring these to, to bring these hoodlums to, to, to just. I, 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 I think really at the end of the day, landlords in this country, if they know there's any carry on going on, they, 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 they should ask them to leave straight away. It's all about, again, it's all about money, about putting their hand out for money. They really don't care from as long as they get the money into their hand and the, grant, the grants from the government. They don't care what they bloody well do. Mm. Money has been a big factor in this in this COVID thing as well as we've handled it in comparison to other countries. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of Cheltenham. That was all about money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's a slightly different side. I mean, I, I believe COVID-19, in my, my own personal opinion, it's, it's, it's a bit of a nonsense, really, to, to tell you. Well, we'll see. Like There's a text here, that, and we'll finish up with this, if you don't mind, Morris. Hi, guys. Okay. The next few weeks will tell a lot how much we're importing COVID, as people will now start returning from Spain and the summer holidays, and how many of them will self-isolate. Employers must make them stay at home and not allow them back to work where they'll spread it more, says Patrick. That's a pretty good comment, and we'll see over the next, uh, I suppose, well, week, weeks. Well, Mick, you know, they, they really, they, they really, when it comes to house parties, and I can tell you they don't give a damn about COVID-19 or anything else. Uh, um, so, so again, again, if they really care about COVID-19, they need legis- legislation for Gardy and they need legislation to, to shut down, shut, shut down these, these... All right, these Morris. Thanks okay. a million. Listen, and I, I'm, I'm aware that landlords are getting an awful little bit of a pasting on the programme today and are, are doing so in recent times. And I must, uh, of course, recognise the responsible uh, landlords that are out there who have been involved in property rental quite fastidiously and doing it properly uh, over the last years as well. It's a pity that a few uh, allow it to be spoiled for the rest of them. But uh, if this continues, I'm sure more legislation uh, will be enacted and more decisions as arrived at by Judge Olin Kelleher uh, will be delivered. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And we have lots of texts and emails to get to and the show generates ever more of them each and every day. Hi, Neil. Uh, I'm emailing you to say the bars in Ireland should open. I listen to your show quite often and I hear the opening of bars is being pushed back as I think it's very unfair on the bar owners. I just want to tell you about my experience going to bars back here in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada. I went to a bar with my friends last Saturday night to watch the UFC. We had, a made, we had to make a reservation for five of us. We came to the door and there was a doorman. We said that there was five of us and we had a reservation. They brought us to the last table they had. Every second table had to be empty. And this is to adhere to the distancing regulations physically. Uh, the waitress told us there is table service only and we would be setting up a tab that we would pay at the end. Everyone was wearing a mask. The waitress, the doorman and the bartenders. There's no standing at the bar. It's all table service and that table is ours for as long as we want it. 
The cops came in halfway through the night and walked around to make sure that everything was in order and that physical distancing was kept. Uh, I think we racked up a bill of about $300 and the waitress stamped our bill to show that it was paid and, and we showed that at the door on the way out. It seemed very controlled and I wasn't worried actually at all because of this. You can't go from your table to another table to talk to Betty and John, etc. You have to stay at your table until you uh, want to go to, to the toilet. But to be honest uh, with you there, uh, with, to be honest with you, there were enough TVs in the bar to watch the fights and it was actually a very enjoyable experience. I can't see why this can't be introduced in Ireland for the virus is no different there. No standing at the bar, table service only until we get back to normal. Uh, I will say that the price of drinks has gone crazy now over here. I don't drink pints, I just drink bottles. I was paying $7.50 for a bottle of Heineken, which is mad. But which bars, uh, with bars closed for so long, I feel like I'm helping support pubs who need to hang on to their business. Now, I know it's very hard for every bar to try and do table service. I used to love going to Reardon's Voodoo and the likes in Cork, and I know they don't have a lot of tables. But I think it's a good idea. At the moment in Calgary, there's no nightclubs open, no live music, no concerts and no gigs. For the meantime, at least, we're allowed to go to a bar watching sports and have as much to drink as you want and go home. One of my friends knew somebody in the bar the, the weekend but couldn't go to their table. So he said, look, I'll talk to you outside for a cigarette. So let's do away with this bars open with food only stuff in Ireland because pubs and bars in Ireland just won't be able to reopen and they'll go out of business. There's bars that are probably flaunting the rules anyway. So why not just open them and make sure it's controlled and just make sure everybody sits, nobody's standing or mingling. And if that's what they have to do at the moment to survive, then I'd say they would be happy to do it. Uh, and that came in from Tig, who's in Calgary. And uh, we hope to speak to a couple of publicans uh, between now and 12 midday. Lots of texts on the landlords as well. Uh, landlords getting an awful doing in recent times. Marion says shut down the bars. It's a disgrace. Um, Oh, sorry, we're coming to calls, are we? All right, I'll read another email uh, as we get to calls. This one just came in on rowdy house parties. Uh, rowdy and boisterous uh, house parties into the early hours of the morning have replaced nightclubs. People are turning their properties into beer gardens and nightclubs uh, where the guards have to be called because neighbours are up uh, and are up all night listening to mobs roaring their head off says a text very much in agreement with uh, what Morris said there. Now let's go to the green list and to pubs and to line one. Good morning. Morning, how are things? Not too bad. Ant, is it? Yeah, that's right, chap. All right, Ant. Yeah, how are you getting on? Very good. You're a Cork teacher living in London. I am. I'm a Cork teacher living over in London, yeah, yeah. And uh, just saying, the, the pubs have been open now in London for the last three weeks. And there's been, uh, to be honest with you, there's, there's been no problem uh, with the pubs being open. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, I mean, we, uh, we we're, we're, myself and a few lads, uh, we were out there at the weekend, you know, and... Yeah, we'd absolutely no problems, you know. I mean, uh, you see the, the social distancing. Most of the pubs, they'd have the perspex screens uh, in between tables. They're not allowed to order at the bar. A lot of them, uh, the, the bigger pub chains like Witherspoons, you'd have the apps. And uh, they'd encourage you to order your drink on the apps. And the waitresses, mm-hmm. they'd bring them down to you on the table. And if you are going up to the bar to, to order, there's no cash. It's uh, card only. So card only, okay. Card only, yeah. But you can go to the bar, can you, Ant? You can go up to the bar, but again, there's a big pass, uh, prospect screen in front of the in front of the bar. So if you can imagine, it's like going to a bank or a credit union. You order your you order your drink through the prospect screen, and then there's a little slot, and they hand you the thing through the slot uh, where the card machine is, and then you uh, and then you pay for it. But what they're doing is they're encouraging table service. That would be the, the, the that's what they're doing. Um, and again, it seems to be suiting the bigger pub chains uh, more than the smaller pubs. Um, let's say the smaller Irish pubs. 
because they would have had these apps and they'd have had this track and trace in place anyway and they'd have been used to people booking tables uh, online long before the coronavirus and long before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just like uh, what that text uh, that you read out there from Canada. From Canada, yeah. Yeah, see, there's absolutely there's been absolutely no problem with the pubs being open in the UK. In actual fact, a lot of the pubs in London were actually open uh, during the lockdown. They were doing takeaway points uh, when the UK's the restrictions. Uh, the UK police said they've no problem with people going to large outdoor spaces like London Fields or public parks uh, as long as they maintain social distance. And again, it allowed people to go in. They got the point in the takeaway glass. They could go out. They'd have it. The public toilets were open. Uh, and I suppose there was a bit of a bit of common sense approach from the UK police in that because they knew that people could just go into Tesco's and buy boxes, boxes mm-hmm. of beer for a tenner, you know, from the supermarket. Yeah, you might you might have heard Michael Healy Ray. Did you hear what he said last week about? Uh, uh, to, to be fair, he made he made a lot of sense, you know, about yeah. the toasted cheese sandwich. I mean, when you hear people giving on about the pubs, I mean, for me, I seem to get the impression people think that the pubs are like they are during Cheltenham or they're like the the way they be packed on Paddy's Day. The reality in most pubs in Cork City during the week is that there's probably three or four lads inside the pub and they're probably ch- chatting about that week's GA or that, week, that week's soccer. A lot of pubs in Cork were struggling before the lockdown. The days of the pubs being full 24-7 were long gone, you yes. know? And they, and they and take it, their profit necessarily. They have to take their profit uh, on the busy Thursday to Sunday nights. Absolutely. And I mean, you'd see it. I mean, you'd see uh, this whole thing about a nine euro meal. I mean, a toasted cheese sandwich in nine euros. There's people going in there ordering them. Gangs of lads. And I know it. And they're not bothering with the food. They're just getting the food. They're saying, right, look, it's an extra two euro that we're going to spend, but we just have a couple of pints, you know? There's some confusion as well, Ant. And, and I've personal experience of this because I have, I have a family member who was instructed uh, while working in hospitality to make sure it's nine euros per table. Uh, and I think it should be nine. It's nine euros a head, isn't it? Again, there's the ambiguity there, you know. I mean, people, as I say, I mean, the government haven't exactly crowned themselves in glory in this, you know, because everything that they're giving those mixed messages. You'll meet Hall Martin saying one thing on a Tuesday, and you can have Radcar saying the opposite on the Wednesday, you know, and people are confused. But when you look at the Canadian situation, Anta, that that I just read out, now, uh, the the pub was full, but every second table was necessarily empty to facilitate social distancing. They had to book for the five people in advance, maybe three or four days in advance. And if you're looking forward to going to the pub, as I'm sure many people will now, that's okay. I'm, I'm going Thursday night. Yep, okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch a game and we're going to be socially distanced. We're going to be responsible. Um, but there's no time limit and there's no food requirement because it's farcical to think that that will save you from COVID-19. And that's, and, that's the, and that's the way it's been in the UK as well. That Literally, you can book, like a, me and the lads, we have a table booked now for Friday night. We're going to go for a couple of pints uh, in a local pub. We have the table booked and it's, it's ours for as long as we want it. And there is no requirement to have food, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, th- this whole thing with the food, it's only suiting the big pub chains. It's not suiting the small pubs. And they're, the, they're going to be the ones that are going to go out of business in this. And I mean, the, the thing that I'd feel sorry there for is, I mean, um, you, you might have old fellas who go into the pub and they might, it might be an old widower and he might have no one in this sort, you know. He might, his children might be living abroad or they might be working in Dublin or something like that. And his only human contact is going into the pub maybe every night, having two or three pints of Guinness, chatting to a bunch of other lads. He's stuck at home now. No one has any idea whether that man's dead or he's alive or anything like that, you know. Whereas if he was out in the boat and seen, people would know how he is. And you'd see a lot of the pubs, especially in rural Ireland, they'd sponsor things like the local GA team, they'd sponsor the local soccer team. And, and, and there's, of course, Ant, there's an indeterminate impact as well on that man's mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nobody wants to be stuck at home looking at the same four walls, you know. I mean, getting out and being able to chat. And as I say, people talk about these pubs being packed. They're not. You go into a pub in, uh, you go into a pub in Blackpool, where I'm from back in Cork, you go in there any Monday night, and you can be guaranteed it's probably about five or six fellas in there. 
That's about it. And they're maintaining social distance anyway because they're not going to be sat on top of each other. They're going to be sat in the bar, you know, with maybe a bar stool in between them, you know, they'll be sat around in a corner. But I mean, to say this, they can only go in and they can have a toasted cheese sandwich for nine euro and they have to be out within a, a, an hour and ten minutes. So that's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's an hour. So, what is it, an hour? It's 115 minutes, isn't it? It's, uh... yeah, it, it is, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, to, what, what, so what does that work on? 105 minutes. Sorry, it's 105. It's, it's, yeah, so it's, it's two halves of a premiership over. match and half time yeah. in the middle. That's, That's how smart it, yeah. the virus is yeah. now. Literally, but I mean, I mean, we we were watching the FA Cup match there uh, 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 at the weekend, you know, and they, the telly turned down in one of the pubs, and they thought that you know with the volume of the telly that it might transmit the virus. So that's that's ridiculous, you know. I mean, other pubs then that you're going into, they'll take your temperature, and I mean, as I say, I mean, I feel perfectly safe going into a pub in the UK where you're walking up, some fella takes your temperature, you squirt your hands with the uh, with, with the uh, the antibacterial wash. You'd have to track and trace. You, you, I mean, they're signed in. I mean, have your details. Uh, in a lot of places, there's bouncers on the doors, you know, to make, to, just to make sure that people aren't getting rowdy, they're not fighting, that, you know, people are maintaining the social distancing. You're paying by card. If you want to, you can order your drink on the app. And I see no reason why that couldn't happen in Cork mm-hmm. or, or, or anywhere in Ireland. It's going to be table I mean? service anyway, whatever happens, whenever they open. It's, exactly. And I mean, to say that, they, you know, I mean, the, the, people, the people will go out of business as a result of this, you know. Mm-hmm. And... You'll see it. I mean, we've no idea how long this, is, this virus is going to last. And to say people can't go on holidays, people can't go to the pub, people can't, I think they can get their hair cut now, you know what I mean, to say people couldn't get their hair cut. I mean, eventually you're going to have to return to normality. This thing could be around with us forever. And eventually over time, you know, there'll, there'll, there'll be immunity. Then again, there could be something else comes out of the, comes out of the Far East in two, three years' time. Are we going to close down the entire Western world again? Because, to be honest, the UK can't afford to go into another lockdown. Ireland can't afford to go into another lockdown. I mean, if people, people are, our unemployment's going to rise in both countries uh, as a result of this. And I mean, we're not just talking about pubs in general, we're looking at the wider hospitality sector. But we're looking at a lot of influx of tourism, uh, tourism now, especially from America. Now, as far as I know, America's close to Europeans, but they seem to be able to come in here and go back with empty planes and bring more back. Uh, while Irish citizens in the UK and USA are told, you know, they can't freely come home, you must come yeah. here and isolate and self-quarantine. Exactly. Well, I mean, I mean, you think about it. There, there, there was a time when an Irish government was quite happy for people to come home from uh, from, from from the UK and America and bring fistfuls of dollars and fistfuls of pound uh, pound notes with them and go down to Blarney Castle and fleece them in Kinsale and all these places. You know, I know Kinsale is lovely. Yeah, it is lovely. I'm sure Blarney Castle is lovely as well. You know, but they were quite happy to take the Yankee dollar and quite happy to take the Queen's pound as well. You know. It kept a lot of these places open, you know, and there was a lot of people sent money home in envelopes as well, you know, dollars and pounds and stuff like that, you know, when times were tough in Ireland. And now that, you know, Ireland's a modern economy, it's a case of like, well, we needed you in the past, but you can stay over there now, don't be bringing your virus back home. Look, I mean, if people are going to be travelling on planes, they're going, to be, they're going to be having their temperatures checked at the airport. They're going to be, um, they're going to be wearing face masks. I mean, it's, it's an hour flight. I mean, you're probably more likely to get it, you know, on a bus or get it on a, a train between Cork and Dublin or something like that, you know. I mean, again, you, 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 can't, you, you can't close down international tourism either, you know, as a result of this. We, I mean, we're going to come out of it very slowly, I think, Anne. But listen, thanks, so. thanks for all no of your comments. No worries, thanks very much. Appreciate it, thank you very much. Uh, now, we were speaking, or certainly uh, Brenda was speaking to a landlord called Dave, uh, and uh, is asking that you phone back in, please, Dave, if you could, because you can't reach him. Uh, okay, so if you could phone back in, Dave, the landlord who spoke to Brenda, that would be great. Daniel Boland is a publican who is running the Enzyme Bar in Monkstown. Good morning, Daniel. 
Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm very good. Now, you were all geared up to open today. You have a lovely beer garden set up for yourself, uh, all your screening stuff inside. And, um, of, of course, stock brought in, staff rostered, perishables brought in, all of the breweries and yeah. the, the various drink suppliers fully stocked in the place, and then rug pulled. How do you feel? Yeah, for myself and Gavin, my brother, we've been in, in um, Monkstown, um, and with five days notice, it, like, it, it just wasn't enough, really. Um, I mean, first of all, like, the safety of our staff customers is paramount, regardless, with, with, the, with the COVID. But for plug to be pulled in at five days notice, it's not enough, really. I mean, like, we, we found out Thursday evening, and we still had deliveries and orders arriving in on Friday morning. Yeah. So Hard to take them in when you know you can't use them. Yeah. And plus that, I mean, we're fully equipped. Like, we had all sanitizer, dispensers, signage, um, screens, all of our tables spread out. Um, so that would be safe for, for our customers to come back. But it's kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth again when they say August 10th. I mean, we don't even know if it will be August 10th that bars will be allowed to open. It might be after that. Yeah, there, there are certain bars open. I, I saw a bar yesterday and there was a huge gathering of people outside of it. And one or two were eating, and I'm not saying the bar wasn't complying, but, you know, yeah, it would yeah. seem to me that uh, they were casually complying and that they had an order in or something. But there was 50 or 60 people outside the bar. And, and you know, the Canadian situation, you've heard the UK situation. Uh, why not either open all the bars or close all the bars? Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's um, kind of one rule for one and one rule for another. So it's kind of um, it's a bit strange, right? But it's supposed to be August 10th now, realistically, at least. Um, you, you were looking at a three-month lockdown, and I think you were the person who said it to me, actually, that uh, the breweries have taken back all the kegs, and the kegs have a 90-day life, three months. And we're looking at uh, a long-haul yeah, shutdown yeah. of the pubs here. And you were you were spot on in that regard. Um, well, that's it. Bears will be first to close and be last to open. Um, we kind of knew that it was in a sense at the start. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of kicking the teeth, especially and with all the, like, I mean, there's flights from America coming in every day. And how do we know, like, people are quarantining or they're not? It's no problem with flights coming from the state, and yet our bars can't even open. Mm-hmm. So where do you go from um, here? Were you ever tempted to put in, I know you have a pizza oven, have you ever tempted to do the nine euro food thing? And and because your your bar is set up now for social distancing. So whether, as Michael Healy Ray said, a guy has a cheese sandwich or not is irrespective. That's it. But if we were to do that, we would be looking at putting in installing another four to five pizza ovens on top of the ovens that we have in it in at the moment, just to keep up with the demand of just doing pizzas itself. So you know, mm. on a weekend it wouldn't really make sense. Weekdays it might um, when you have your few few customers coming in. But at that, like I mean, even at that, it's like. Like with the bar, it is within centre community, and for the elderly guys that come into us on the weekdays, they come in for their four or five points their Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. I mean, that's their routine gone. Like, you know, they're the guys that kind of miss it a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And that company is supposed to touch it more than anything. Yeah, other people, of course, avail of uh, you know small family house gatherings and and responsible friend gatherings in houses. But do you see the drinking culture, the drinking landscape in Ireland change forever now, Dan? Well, it's definitely, I suppose, this is like we're going to be dealing with the new normal as such. Um, there will definitely be a change that they're, like, it's a given, I suppose, as such. So I suppose it's just a matter of waiting and seeing and see when and if 
we get our gu- guidelines as well for the reopening of the tent because what was shown at us last Thursday was a bit of a mm. kicking teeth, I'd say. Yeah, so, Benny, Benny McKay was very eloquent on Facebook. He put up a, a, quite a nice piece, made very interesting reading, in fact. I rarely comment on Facebook and I commented on it. Um, yeah. You know, to say that at least the pubs can't be blamed this time if there's a spike. You you guys have been the responsible citizens here. Uh, and, you know, 99.9% of, of the publicans have adhered strictly. to Closed means closed. Uh, I know there are some some pubs surreptitiously serving and we get reports and texts in every day on the programme about that here uh, where back doors are being used and... Uh, you know, fellas can be seen staggering home and wonder where they were. They're all coming from the same direction. Uh, so, you know, some yeah. some landlords or some publicans have, have been taking advantage of the... Yeah. And leaving a few sneaky pints come in, you know, sneaky pinters come yeah. in the back door, maybe. Well, for us, I mean, it's most like, I mean, we voluntarily closed on the early on the Sunday of the 15th of March, I think it was. I mean, we were, like, before the government announced close, you could kind of see it coming. So for us to close voluntarily at the start and still waiting, like, the guidelines or where are we at? I mean, the government are going to have to, like, I know they're in the process of it at the moment, but there's going to be have to be serious packages put together. Because this is, like, even when bars open, if, it, if they open in mid-August or the end of August, I mean, your summer trade is gone and you're you're nearly into your winter months, which is your quiet months, so it's going to be long with us after we open. It's not going to be just get back to normal straight away, you know? And are you calling for clarity about August 10th, more than five days in advance? Oh, 100%. I mean, like, we've judged, like, putting in our sensor screen signage, etc. But with no guidelines, how can you follow what to do when you when you were looking to open within five days that we presumed we were opening today? You know, so there's not, just, there's not enough clarity there, really. That's the main thing, really. And okay. there's really that as well. Is three weeks too much to ask, though? Is you know you have your stock, you're all ready to go. I know it's a false start. Uh, if you get the start the next time, will you be happy? Yeah, I mean, like I mean, we will open our doors. Um, like I mean, if we can get in the last few weeks of summer to, to be something, um, and we do understand that we have, like I mean, like with COVID, it is essential that we have to cost for safety and for staff as well. So I mean, we do understand that. But we just need clarity, really, on what can be put in place for for the like for the pub trade to survive. Yeah, okay. especially especially in West Cork now and carrying places. I mean, there's bars closed down there at the moment, and they're depending on their summer trade completely. You know? Oh, absolutely, and absolutely they are. And if they lose, they're going to lose the August weekend now. Whatever happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'll have a lot of publicans, I suppose, maybe coming to the stage of retirement, and they could just pull the plug. You just don't know. You know. Yeah that they might keep going with it. I mean, I've seen it um, in, I think, a couple of pubs in Dublin, big pubs uh, that were trading for 50-plus years. Um, one was the Cardiff Inn recently closed um, mm. after 52 years. So, I mean, and that was in a kind of harsh community as well, like big pub in the centre of um, the community. So, yeah, yeah. I, I guess you will, you will be seeing where it's closed, unfortunately. All um, right, Dan. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to wait another, another, at least two weeks to find out, I suppose. That's it, exactly. So we'll wait and see, Yeah, unfortunately. All right, Dan. Thanks. All the best. Thank you very much. That's uh, Daniel Boland, proprietor of the Enzyme Bar in uh, Monkstown. Everything set up. Beer garden, screening, reinstated all his direct debits, uh, rostered the staff, got the stock in uh, to have the rug pulled.
and uh, you can call on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. If you've got a comment, you can text it also on zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six or email Neil at redfm.ie. It's twenty eight minutes after eleven. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And a very good morning to you. Now, Monday, the 20th of July, is my husband's birthday. Pat Cronin is a long-time listener and occasional contributor to the show. Would you give him a shout-out for his birthday? We can uh, certainly do that. He's not very interested in presents. The only thing he really wants for his birthday today is to hear that Ireland will greenlist the Netherlands so he can go and visit his mum in Cork and pay his respects to his dad, who sadly passed away in May. Pat has been waiting impatiently, or patiently, to be able to go over, uh, and I hope that he will be able to fly in within the next few weeks. Happy birthday, Pat, from your wife, Michelle, uh, your son, Aiden, uh, Michelle uh, Cronin. So, happy birthday, Pat. Uh, it's your birthday today, Pat Cronin, occasional contributor, and let's hope you get home soon in that regard. Happy birthday, anyway. And hi to Michael Forrest, who just texted me all the way. Uh, in the early morning from Boston, Massachusetts, to say he's listening in and Red FM is booming into Boston loud and clear. Now, let's go to Roger on line five. Hi, uh, Roger, how are you? Hello. Hi, Roger. Hi, yeah. I'm sorry there I didn't realise I was on to you. I just have a comment to make there about pubs that are... uh, Your guy from the Enzyme was spot on. I agree with everything the man said. Mm Mm-hmm. But there are pubs that opened as restaurants. I call them she-bean restaurants. And they're allegedly serving food. They are, but their bars are full every day of the week. Mm-hmm. I saw one yesterday. I'm not, going to, name, I'm not going to name it. It was packed. Uh, and there was many people drinking outside, as it would be normally of a summer's day. Uh, but I saw maybe one cheese sandwich yep. and, and about one bowl of soup among ten tables. Well, I saw in a certain bar yesterday, I, I won't mention names Please because don't. it would be so obvious, mm-hmm. two guys coming out at five past four on the dot and one carrying the other into a taxi and the taxi men refused to take them. They had so much alcohol on board. Wow. Okay. And they didn't do all that in an hour and five minutes or whatever it is, an hour and no, 105 minutes. Every evening, it's happening every evening. If I had to, I'd name 10 pubs within an, a small area that guys are going in at five, half five. Mm-hmm. Using the back door, keeping the front dark. They're looking compliant, but they're in breach of everything, really. Correct. And maybe they're taking the Michael Healy Ray attitude. People don't need a cheese sandwich to to feel protected. Well, correct. But if if every pub was open, it would ease the pressure, maybe. I I, don't know. I I tend to agree. I, I think that a measured approach from all the pubs, rather than people, you know barging in at the edge of regulation in, in, in food-able pubs, you know, you're not going to stick to the 105 minutes. You really can't keep a waitress or a waiter from socially distancing, even though they've masked up. There's going to be some contact in, in, in these pubs. And if pubs like the Enzyme, who are socially responsible and ready to go, uh, be, are being held back, when they could diminish the amounts trying to get into other pubs, I, I, I tend to agree, I have to. Yeah, well, that's the point. There are pubs that are, as I say, she-bean restaurants. That's what I call them, but maybe, you know. Anyway, um, we'll see. But the, the, the COVID figures have risen again, and it's extraordinary the coincidence that they started rising on the day these restaurants opened. Mm-hmm. And, but then, you, you know, the converse of that is saying the other pubs waiting to go are, are paying, paying the price for that. 
They are because they have staff organised and stock in, which is going to be gone because they were due to open on the 20th of January. But you can't yeah. just blame the pubs. I mean, it's, it's, it's also rising at the same time as the hairdressers opened and, you know, as, as certain retail restrictions were relaxed. Anyway, we'll see. All right. Thanks a million, Rog. Thanks a million. Uh, bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. On the subject of landlords, Dave is on line one. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mick. How are you keeping? Good. Landlords getting a bit of a pasting in recent times. Um, Mick, I just think from, from from a perspective of there's an awful lot of decent landlords out there. Uh, landlords aren't aren't a villain. Um, somehow it may seem that thin, but ordinarily landlords are by and large allies, and they're allies with both the likes of their tenants and also allies with the likes of say the county councils and so on and so forth. We're we're, we're all in the same boat together, and I can understand the perspective of say the likes of say College Road or Magazine Road and. You've an older area, and you ordinarily have people who you, you you may have individuals who are parting and so on and so forth. But actually, due to changes in say the likes of the this whole eviction ban and so on and so forth, it's made ordinarily landlord it's made landlords' job an awful lot harder to actually evict the people they may want to. Mm, I, I did before. make that point just before the eleven o'clock news. And, 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 and yeah, and I and I heard it, and I, and I I fully support it because ordinarily, like up until this point, Mick if I was to rent out a property to you, I'd ordinarily have six months in which to evict you with no excuses under Part 4 legislation. Now this whole thing has been thrown up into the air. There's an awful lot of landlords out there who are actually very, very good individuals. There's an awful lot of people who ordinarily can't afford to purchase their own home at the moment, and they're ordinarily wanting to deal with them. And There's an awful lot of it, it, it's very much a two-way street. There's very much an awful lot of landlords who want to deal with individuals on a very reasonable level. And if they've ordinarily been affected by, say, the likes of COVID or, or, or before, whether they lost their jobs and so on and so forth, there's an awful lot of people who will who'll ordinarily want to work with them. I've, I, I, I myself am involved in the property training industry. I've parents who are landlords. One of the properties of my parents would un, un, ordinarily at the moment it's a the ask it's it's below what they would have paid for it, and they would have paid for it before the last recession. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of individuals out there who are accidental landlords, for want of a better word, or other things. And I think it's one thing to hear, and and I agree, the the appropriate channels are being used to try and handle a scenario or situations that are going on in College Road in Cork. I have a brother who's living close by there at the moment, and ordinarily. They wouldn't be one of the culprits, but they'd, they'd acknowledge that some of it is going on. But ordinarily, I, I, I don't think we should be introducing draconian legislation or blaming landlords for other instances, such as saying, you know, let's put a license on it. And if you lose your license or three strikes out, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, under the Constitution, we're all entitled to housing. We're all entitled to purchases. We're all entitled to land so on and so forth. To, yeah. to be depriving somebody's rights because of this. We have at the, at the moment, we have the Residential Tenancies Board who are very quiet at the moment. In so many ways what's happened because of COVID, in so many instances it's created a vacuum. And that vacuum has allowed say, the like... Hello? Sorry, we lost you there for a second. Dave? No, Dave is gone. We'll, uh, we'll have to come back to Dave. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to send us a text to 0868104106, you can call us on 1850104106. Now, let's move on. We'll come back to Dave if we can. Anna, good morning. 
Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm good. Now, you want to make uh, an observation about Kinsale. Yeah, I was in Kinsale yesterday and um, the crowds outside a pub in Kinsale... OK, let's not mention the name. I think, yeah, I, pa- I, think I passed it myself. Absolutely ridiculous. I was just wondering, are the guards asleep or, like, how come there's no measures for these? Mm-hmm. Do you know, it's a bit of a joke. And, and there was no time limits because I passed a couple of times and it was still the same people outside it. Yeah, I, I, I saw yesterday in a pub in Kinsale, uh, yeah. what I would call a normal... Saturday, Sunday afternoon gathering uh, outside, you know, yeah, but, but I mean, I it looked abnormal that. because of what we're going through. It is, and and like to be serving pizzas that never served pizzas before, like, do you know, I, I honestly don't understand it, it's the rest of us are suffering, and these people are enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, Daniel in the Ensign in Monkstown has the ability to serve pizzas, and he's chosen, you know, he could have chosen to open today. And yeah. did and did that, but he's you know they they closed before they were asked to, and they're going to be, look like it'll be they'll be the last to open. And uh, you know for the people who are adhering responsibly to all of the restrictions laid down by the government, yeah. uh, to yeah, see to see it being flouted in certain ways, it really yeah, must be galling. Rule for others and one rule, you know, I, I just think it's wrong to be fair, you know. So they're they're up they're up stocking on pizza and, and maybe it's the cheapest way to get food out there just to heat a well, pizza in an oven. because like, if there was four of us went in, sure, we're going to buy a pizza between us and like when there's no time living, sure you're going to stay there as long as you want. Yeah, so they're back to normal trade, really. They're back to normal trade, which I think is, is wrong. Because with the weather and everything, the place was black yesterday, which is, is totally ridiculous. Yeah, Kinsale was thronged yesterday. And I must say, oh. it, it, it felt normal. In the best way, because, you know, walking around, there was plenty of people, but they were, you know, they were all families and, and stuff. I saw uh, a queue outside Dino's, must have been maybe 20 people, but they stretched yep. themselves out along the footpath and everyone is, you know, keeping their little bit of distance. They're, they are keeping their distance, to be fair, but, like, it's rest of us, like, are suffering today because, like, we all have to wear masks now going into a shop, you know, and, and the numbers are rising. Yeah. Do you think the second wave is here already? Um, I honestly think it's it's here or it's close enough to be on the way, to be fair. Okay. Listen, yeah. th- thanks for not mentioning that pub name. I don't want to get anyone specifically into trouble. No, but, no, uh, no. Perfect. No problem. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, back to Dave. Sorry, Dave, we lost you in, the, in midpoint there. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? Uh, very good. Is, is the dog all right now? Oh, the, the dog is perfect. Still <laughs> backing in the background. <laughs> Anyway, we, we were ma- we're making the point that responsible landlords out there are in the majority. To be fair, and and you're going to have pressure points where where students congregate near educational facilities, shall we say, and and rent is at a premium. They they will and they will tend to have house parties. They're young, and that's what happens. They don't have pubs and nightclubs to go to. And and yeah, and entirely, and 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 in and in one retrospect, it's sensible on themselves to be doing it in the in the home in which they're involved in. But not with fifty or hundred people. And I perfectly agree with you. Who 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 wouldn't condone such a thing? Do you know what I mean? There's, there, there, there is a fine balance to be had here. You know, a tip of, a tip of salt or a grain of salt will tip the scales there in any regard. The likes of you know, if this was a rag week or if this was another scenario, you would have the likes of the UCC, the CIT, uh, students' unions. You'd have others going around policing, and you'd have others monitoring it, and so on and so forth. At the moment, because of the summer, because of the vacuum, because of everything that's been created, it's been very hard to ordinarily fully deal with it. It'll be interesting to see what way, they, the, 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 what way things proceed with regards to College Road 
and or these things because ordinarily, you know, the likes of it, 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 it's very hard to kick people out at the moment with this anti-eviction. What what would ordinarily, uh, you know, how how would people like the landlord in this instance to proceed? Yes, I, I know. We, we discussed that with Catherine Clancy because yeah. uh, in, in certain respects, the students were also benefiting from the anti-eviction uh, enforcement or the eviction embargo, if you like. But uh, Judge yeah. Olin Kelleher's decision and his judgment would say that, no, you can't avail of that if you're causing a, a nuisance in your community. But, uh, but, uh, but ordinarily, how is, he, how is his decision to supersede something that has been said to all landlords by and large? that a landlord themselves can't evict another individual due to the circumstances in which we find ourselves in. It's a very hard one to fully draw the line. I can see that, the likes of they're arguing here, it's sound and it's an environment issue. And everybody is entitled to the likes of the peace of their own home and to enjoy it and so on and so forth. And it's, that's, that's entirely the case. But by the same token, you then hear the likes of Catherine Clancy, and, and I've every respect for her, and I've every respect for the predicament in which they find themselves in but they're ordinarily arguing that there should be some sort of what I would class as draconian set that every every landlord has a rule book and if you get three ticks on the rule book you're gone. You know it's, it's, it's not as simple as that it may sound great on the outside but actually look at it from a predicament that everybody's entitled to their home everybody's entitled to, to you know to, to own it and to rent it out, and to avail of the, the, the legislation there, to avail of, you know, you're entitled to 14,000 tax-free inside your home, to ordinarily instill and, and try and encourage people to rent out a room in their home if they have it or whatnot. It's just the predicament in which we find ourselves in, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a hard one to fully resolve at this moment and at this time. Um, I can't see how it can be resolved even with it going to the district court. I can't see how ordinarily any sort of order is going to force the hand of another into acting upon it. But Dave, do you agree that landlords should be subject to the same restrictions as publicans in regard to legally running uh, a responsible and orderly house? I I, I think they all do, by and large. Why wouldn't they? Morally, everybody... Like, if you you look up any... uh, I'm involved in in a few property training groups. And the concern at the moment due to COVID is how do we manage these, what we would call, a, a, call them our housing, housing with multiple occupancies, so HMOs for short, which is basically, it's like a room is rented out to an individual. Nobody knows each other and you're just renting out a room. And everybody, nobody has been told what to do. People are deciding as best as they can with the information which they've gathered to try and put their best foot forward or we're even having to look as far afield as the UK to try and see what they're doing in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't put landlords and publicans in the same boat. One is serving alcohol and one is licensed to serve alcohol and the other in this instance is actually trying to trying to provide accommodation at what I would see as a very reasonable price in lots of instances and people who will ordinarily work with individuals to try and... Like everybody has wants a roof over their head. And ordinarily it's, it's a very hard one to fully call like I, my heart goes out to publicans. I ordinarily have a relationship up in up in Mayo, up in Westport and Mayo, and that relationship is with a, a small wee pub out in the middle of nowhere, and it's the centre point of the town and that community. And is that pub open or closed? I have to wrap it here. That that, that pub is closed at is the it? moment. Yeah, and, and as and are many pub- responsible publicans adhering to the advice of the government and of Neffet, yeah. and uh, once again. 
Dave, a shout out to the many, many responsible and law-abiding landlords out there doing their best and uh, and running orderly houses. Thanks a billion, though, for your comments, all right? Thank, thank you so much again for having me on. Cheers, thanks, day. bye-bye. Uh, we've got to go to George on line six. Hi, George. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. You're in that bar in Kinsale. Please don't name it, if you, if you don't mind. Oh, I won't, I won't indeed. Now, the one thing I would say about it, Mick, we went in and we booked the table. We had something to eat. The guy ran the place perfect. When they are outside looking at the place, it looked as if there was a lot of people. But all the tables were spaced out properly. There was no one inside because of it it being such a good day. So, okay, it looked like there was a lot of people there. But everyone around us had food and left. And there was people staying. They might have stayed longer than 105 minutes. But the reason they did was a table wouldn't have been booked. And if a table was booked they were asked to go. Mm-hmm. And they were said, look, sorry. They, they, they so the pub is catering for bookings and walk-up? Yes. And you got, some people came up and they asked, any tables available? And he said, yeah, look, he says, I might have one in about five minutes. People were moving outside that moved table because of the sun changing. But the guy, the guy that owns the bar adhered to all the regulations. And I know even... He had to adjust things in the in the bar to do it, and he was inspected and passed every inspection. Now, I'm not sure we're even talking about the same bar, and I don't want to get any publican in trouble if yeah. they are adhering to the but, to the regulations, you know. But uh, what about the allegation that uh, it's just pizzas it's are being my, served and ne- no pizzas were ever served before? Was there a full menu? No, no even outside of not having a full menu, Mick, I went into a place another night, and the menu was more than half from what it normally would be. That's going to happen anyway you know, because people are coming back on... indeed, on... and I know for the expense of it. And look, I, I was in the pub trade for years. And the one thing I'd say, Mick, we have to, we have to help everyone get along. The COVID, or, well, COVID can fail. They're all suffering because of this, this COVID thing. They're all trying to get back to business. That lady that was on the phone, she has a problem with Kinsale. She had no problem queuing up to come into the town. If you were here yesterday, you know, I, where I live, I can see the cars passing. And there was queues and queues of people coming in. There's signs at the top of the road coming into Kinsale asking people to bypass. They try to pedestrianise the town to get people back into the town and get some bit of an atmosphere there. I, I saw some pedestrianisation of the streets in Kinsale yes, yesterday. I saw the queues the from the bridge to get into town and and I believe they were the same on the hill on the way down the other side. I've got to leave yes. it there. Kinsale's a great place. No, I love it. No problem. Thanks a million, George. No problem. And it's open It's open to everybody, but everyone has to adhere to what's going on around. Back, back stronger than ever, I think, is their slogan, isn't it? Yeah, okay. exactly. Th- thanks a million. Uh, I'm no going to see, see if I can get to Anne in a moment, but right now I must take a break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And a very good morning to you. This is Mick Mulcahy in the final minutes of the show. Line one is the Bolly Barber. Hi, Mick. Good morning. How are you? Uh, it's many years we've been speaking now, Mick. It must be about 30 years we, uh, we occasionally interact. So the hairdressing right. and beauty industry, how's it all going for you? It's terrible at the moment, Mike, because I'm kind of we got a message last night from Hattie co-representing the hairdressing and beauty in the barbers. Uh, shops are not adhering to the guidelines of wearing masks and customers wearing masks. And if if it uh, it keeps going like this, uh, we'll be threatened to be closed down and go back to phase two in the next three weeks. 
I wonder if any of the bars got uh, got that uh, who might be flouting the law. Uh, I've passed a few, I'd say, busy hairdressing establishments as you would when you when you drive around the city, and yes. uh, I, I've never seen uh, someone attending to a customer without a mask. Uh, and even I've seen yes. many many customers also wearing masks. Quite correct, but there are a few who are not doing it, Michael. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, if, if if they keep doing that, we will be closed down. Last Monday, and not a lot of talk earlier about above the year, there was 139 people. But that shop was closed down for the week over it. Now, it, 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 none of those got it, but that's the danger. If someone gets picked up and they have the virus, we will all be closed down because of one stupid person. Yeah, so is it, is it going to be, you know, if you're caught in breach of regulations, you'll be closed, or is it going to be a blanket ban? No, it, be, this will be a blanket ban the way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. We have a Zoom meeting out tonight that is preparation with this lady, Margaret, who, who's in the, representing us in, in Havoc. And we have a meeting out tonight at 8 o'clock, and there'll be a gang of us there zooming. And like, this, this is it. Like, and we're all saying the very same thing. We've been all the risk assessment management a whole lot. It is, it is very, very unfair to the people who are doing the right things. Okay. We'll take that point, Mick. Well done. Stay safe. And, 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 and ho- hopefully, and you too. everybody in your industry yeah. as well. Okay. We've got Anne on line six very briefly. Hi, Anne. Hi, Mick. How are you? Very good. Now, you've seen uh, a certain activity outside the back of a bar. Please don't name the bar, but you saw a chip no, van at the back of a pub. A chip van selling chips, right? Getting a receipt and going into the pub. No, the pub was just jointed. Jointed outside the door, inside the door. Jointed, I must say. No masks, no nothing. Now, do you think that's right? No, that's I not right. I have a son that's out of work for five months and he can't go back. Mightn't be able to go back on the 10th of August and mightn't be able to go back until after Christmas. I don't think it's fair. And the quicker now the government gets something done, which shouldn't be in government, they went in there with their own accord. They weren't elected to go in there. I think it's a disgrace that all those things can be left to do what they like. It's very unfair, Mick. Well, that's in flagrant breach. That's not a premise of supplying food or a bar that ever did food. It's a chip wagon outside, giving it's receipts. Chip wagon outside, yeah. So if the cops call, I got my nine euros worth of onion rings and sausages or something. All right. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. And taking it in and getting as much drink as they want. No social distancing. That wasn't out the window long ago. Yeah, I know. I we've we've concentrated a lot on bars this morning, and I, I I think it's fair to say they feel righteously aggrieved. You know, when so many people are flouting it. Uh, that they can't responsibly open. Uh, but look, it's uh, that's the end of the conversation, I suppose. And best of luck to your son getting back to work. Thanks for the comment, and I, I do, well, I, I I do agree. At this present moment, now, all he's doing is staying in his room, and I think it's very unfair. There'd be a lot, lot of mental health out of this, Mick. All right, Anne. Thanks a million for your call. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.